selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. One semester of law school. One semester of criminal justice. Two experts. I'm Kristen Caruso. I'm Brandi Egan. Let's go to court. On this episode, I'll be talking about the murder of Rachel Hoffman. And I'll be talking about the murder of Savannah LaFontaine Greywind. I can just, yeah. There's a I lot s- of murder on this episode. Did you do like another horrible one that someone suggested like, wow, this is really a Brandy case. It's for sure a Brandy case. No, no one suggested this. Oh, but... no one wanted it. <laughs> <laughs> and yet here you are. <laughs> Everyone, hello and welcome. Welcome to this week's episode of Let's Go. What if we started all of our podcasts like that? Welcome to this week's episode. Well, I mean, we have an intro. In a way, we started that way. No, but we did the intro, and then we would have to do that part. Would we, we have to say pipes? Like old ladies. Yeah. <laughs> or old men. Let's say it like old men. <laughs> <laughs> While we're smoking our pipes in our tweed jackets. Are we... Old white men from the Midwest in this scenario? Obviously. Okay, here we go. Here we go. The problem is no one wants to work anymore. Okay? They, them, he, she, I can't keep it straight. In my day, we just said sir and everyone felt great about it. Anyway, that's what the rest of this podcast is going to be like. So if you enjoyed that, stick around, Pops. By the way, I can barely see you because we've got this box of cards uh, in front of us. Let me move all of your autographs. What's that? My autographs? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. What a perfect transition to talk about our Patreon. Well, I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) Person who's driving in their car. As opposed to, uh, what are they other... driving in their scooter? <laughs> listen, we don't make rules on how people listen to the podcast. <laughs> if you would like more of this, and I'm sure you do, sign up at our Patreon. 
on our Patreon, at our Patreon. Uh, for our Patreon. Sign up for our Patreon. You got bonus episodes on there. You get Zoom calls with us where we play little games. Yeah. Reindeer games are in the I holidays. had the perfect thought of what we should play next time, and it's escaped me now. <gasps> Mad Libs. Oh. You know what? When Kyla and I were little, it was like adverb, poopily, noun, yeah. poop. Yes. Um, adjective, poopy. You know, so like that's the energy I'm going to bring to yeah. that game. Yeah. I Do love it. you think it. we should play Mad Abs- next month? Absolutely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, that's where you go to support the show. Yeah. And if you sign up at the $7 level or higher, you get Kristen's autograph. Also Brandy's, you know. <laughs> I mean, not that anyone has ever been interested in that. <laughs> when you found out that I just went home and listed these puppies on eBay. <laughs> I mean, I would feel like the joke would be on you because the time it would take you to do that. And then you've, you've just got a box of my autograph that no one wants to buy from you. <laughs> yeah, if, if you're looking for me to be mad, I would not be mad. <laughs> What if I find out they sell really good and next week I've got a whole other box for you to sign? Oh, then we'd have problems. (laughs) And I'd get my dad on the horn. I'd be like, Dad, these things are worth money. (laughs) He'd be selling them on Facebook Marketplace. He would be. (laughs) Anyway, you have a terrible story to tell you. you, So let's just jump right in. Okay. I watched a new show. (laughs) Oh, God. Some ID show? No, it was an oxygen show. Okay. What do we got? It's called Killer Motive. I'd right. never watched it before. It's pretty good. Okay. There's lots of family members involved. I thought it was done very well. Okay. Zero reenactments. Oh, that's refreshing. Yes. Okay. Yes. So shout out to that show. Shout out to the Washington Post. How did you Post. know what was happening, though, without a reenactment? Because they just told me. <laughs> 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 There's lots of B-roll of, like, the environment that it took place in. Okay. So you yeah. just barely managed to put it together. Yes. All right. And also, shout out to some reporting for People Magazine. Mm. Some really good detailed coverage mm-hmm. of this case. This is terrible. So just great. prepare yourself. <laughs> Thanks a lot. You're welcome. Savannah LaFontaine Greywind was just starting out in life. Savannah was an indigenous woman, a member of the Spirit Lake tribe. And I believe this was a little bit difficult to confirm, but I believe she lived on the reservation in East Central North Dakota until like 2016 Mm -hmm. when she and her family moved to Fargo, North Dakota. Savannah was the oldest daughter of Joe and Norberta Greywind. Norberta? Norberta. That's too bad. It is too bad. Okay. She was interviewed extensively. She's a wonderful woman. I enjoyed listening to her yeah. tell the story of her daughter. No very one's much, saying but she's Norberta a bad person. Is a rough name. Yeah. Yeah. That's a classic. We couldn't decide where to go with this. It is. It is. So Joe and Norberta had. I'm sorry. Norman was her dad's name. Roberta was her mom's. And name. they put them together for, and made Norberta. A hundred percent. If okay. I'm wrong. Then I will eat my hat. Mm-hmm. Who who came up with that phrase? I don't know. Anyway, I'm tr- I'm solid. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm solid. I, I'm solid. 
And also, I'm sorry. I feel like I'm stalling because this is going to be a terrible story. Okay, great. Okay, so by 2016, Savannah was ready to get settled into a career. She had a passion for elder care with dreams of becoming a nurse. And her family thought there would be better job opportunities for her and eventually for her siblings, too, in Fargo. So the whole family moved to a basement apartment in Fargo, North Dakota. Mm Mm-hmm. By August of 2017, Savannah was thriving. She was 22 years old. She had landed a job as a nursing assistant at an elder care facility. She was eight months pregnant with her first child. And she had just signed a lease on an apartment with her boyfriend. She and her boyfriend, Ashton Matheny, had been together for like seven years. And they oh, were wow. About to move into their apartment. They were starting their lives together in their own place, their own little family. I'm sorry. Can you imagine doing elder care and being eight months pregnant no! at the same time? No. Oh, no. my God. That'd be terrible. Okay. <laughs> yes. Anyway, continue. But on August 19th, 2017... That was all taken from her. It started with a knock on the door that August afternoon. Savannah opened the door to find her neighbor, Brooke Cruz, standing there. Savannah didn't know Brooke very well. She lived on the third floor of her apartment building um, with her boyfriend, William Hain. And, like, the whole building knew their relationship was rocky. Okay. Everyone could hear them fighting regularly. Police were sometimes involved. It was rough. Mm-hmm. Brooke asked Savannah if she was free for a few minutes to help her with a project. She said she was making a dress and she was hoping that Savannah could come up for a couple of minutes just to try it on so she could get like a picture of it. Yeah. And she offered her $20 for the trouble. Hold on. Were they roughly the same size? Like was she pregnant too? I don't I don't know the answer to that. Okay. I don't know I mean, that she was seems- making the dress for herself. I Okay. I don't I don't know the details. Am of I that, getting ma'am. caught on the wrong thing? Maybe. All right. Savannah had just ordered pizza. She like had literally just had a pizza delivered. Uh-huh. It was cooling on the counter. But Brooke was like, this will literally just take a couple minutes and oh. you can make twenty bucks. And so like around 1.30 on that Saturday afternoon, Savannah texts her mom and her boyfriend Ashton to let them know that she was going to Brooke's apartment and then she headed upstairs. When Norberta got the text from Savannah that she was helping Brooke with a project, she was less than pleased. Just a few days earlier, Brooke had come down to the apartment and invited Savannah up to smoke weed with her. And Savannah had declined, but Mm -hmm. Norberta was unimpressed with the invitation, to say the least. Norberta responded to Savannah's text, but never heard anything back. That was super unusual. Savannah always responded really quickly to text messages. So Norberta continued to text Savannah over the next couple of hours, but Savannah didn't respond. Savannah's boyfriend, Ashton, also spent the next couple of hours texting Savannah with no response. By 4 o'clock that afternoon, Savannah's family was officially worried. She was supposed to take her brother to work, but she never showed up. And so her mom had taken her. And then when she got back, she noticed that the pizza was still on the counter, completely untouched, that Savannah's purse was sitting on the kitchen counter as well, and that her car was parked in its usual parking spot. 
And so Norberta walked up to Brooke Crew's third floor apartment and knocked on the door. When Brooke answered, Norberta asked if Savannah was still there. And Brooke was like, no, she left like at like 2.45. Mm-hmm. Immediately, Norberta knew something was off. Savannah's feet were super swollen from her pregnancy. They were really uncomfortable and painful. If she had gone anywhere, first of all, she would have taken her purse and she would have driven. She would not be walking anywhere with her feet as swollen as they were. So Norberta went back down to her apartment and she was literally back in her apartment for minutes before she was like, that's it. I can't take it. I'm calling the police. Mm -hmm. So she called the police and reported Savannah missing. Police arrived at the Greywind apartment around 5 o'clock that evening. They got a statement from Norberta and from Joe, Savannah's dad. He had also gone up and knocked on the apartment door at one point. And Brooke had answered and said that they weren't quite done yet. This was Hmm. maybe, I don't know, sometime in the part where they were trying to get a hold of Savannah. And so they get all the statements from the family and then the police went up and knocked on the door of that third floor apartment. Brandy, is this one of those steal someone's baby stories? Is it? Oh, no. So the police go up, they knock on the third floor apartment, and Brooke came to the door, and her boyfriend, William Hain, was there, and they let the police come in and take a look around, and the responding officer saw nothing of note. They said, you know, she'd left. Savannah had been there that day, but she'd left at like 2.45, and that was that. Later that night, when Savannah still wasn't home, the police came back out and searched through Brooke Cruz and William Haynes' apartment again. But again, they found nothing of note. And again, Brooke told the story that, yes, Savannah had been there, but she left at 2.45, The following day, there was still no sign of Savannah. And so police came back and knocked again on Brooke and William's apartment door. And they allowed them in again. And again, they searched the apartment and found nothing. There was nothing to indicate that a crime had occurred there. There was nothing like nothing looked out of place. Nothing Mm -hmm. looked freshly cleaned. It just looked like a regular apartment. The police had no reason to think that Brooke Cruz was telling anything but the truth about when Savannah had been there and how she'd left the apartment the previous day. But Brooke Cruz was admittedly the last person who had seen Savannah, and she and William were really the only suspects that the police had in Savannah's disappearance, which at this point they weren't even sure was anything criminal. Right. She was just missing. So... While the community and the Grey Winds tribe members came out in droves to start this search for Savannah, the police watched Brooke Cruz and William Hain pretty closely. They were hoping maybe they would lead them to Savannah, but Mm -hmm. no such luck. At some point, Brooke's boyfriend, Ashton, went on the news and made a statement about how she wouldn't just leave. Yeah. Like, she just wouldn't. They were super excited about the stage of life that they were in. Like something happened to her. Mm -hmm. Following that news appearance, a bunch of tips started coming in. People were claiming that they were sighting Savannah all over the area. But one tip came in that seemed to be 
kind of helpful. Someone said that they had seen a pickup truck in the parking lot of the apartment complex the day that Savannah went missing. And that tipster said that they saw Savannah getting in that truck. And so police searched the parking lot and they did end up finding a red truck matching the tipster's description. And they were actually able to track that truck back to William Hain, the boyfriend of Brooke Cruz. Hmm. So they brought William in for a formal interview and he said that he'd borrowed that truck from the roofing company that he worked for. But he hadn't even borrowed it until after Savannah was missing. So there was no chance that anyone saw Savannah getting in that truck. He was super cooperative, willing to talk. He was very calm, very relaxed. And he said that he did come home from work the afternoon of August 19th to find Savannah in his apartment with Brooke. Brooke had introduced the two. She was like, oh, hey, this is Savannah. She lives in the basement apartment. Mm -hmm. And William had said hello, but he was just getting off work. And so he'd gone in to take a shower. And he said by the time he got out of the shower, Savannah was gone. Mm Mm-hmm. Police believe his version of events. It seemed to match with what they'd seen in the apartment, like, you know, whatever. They'd already searched that apartment three times by this point and had found nothing. And so they let William Hain leave that day and they thanked him for his time. They did, however, call his boss to verify that he had borrowed that truck and more specifically to verify that he had borrowed it after Savannah's disappearance. Right. And they were able to confirm William's story. He had borrowed the truck. His boss verified that, and he hadn't borrowed it until after Savannah was missing. However, his boss offered up an interesting little nugget of information. He said something to the effect of, yeah, you know, I just wanted to help the guy out, just make things easier for them. They've got that new baby at home and all. Yep, there we go. Yep. The investigators could not believe what they were hearing. They'd been in that apartment multiple times. They'd seen Mm -hmm. no sign of a new baby there. Obviously, Brooke and William hadn't said anything about having a new baby at home. This was enough for them to secure a search warrant for the third floor apartment. So, Okay, so worth noting here. The previous searches of the apartment had been done without a warrant. They were just under the consent of Brooke Cruz and William Payne. And so they'd just been kind of like cursory searches, just kind of surface-level searches. Mm -hmm. But on August 24th, detectives performed a fourth search of the apartment, this time with a search warrant. And initially, they didn't find much. They walked through the apartment. A detective, like, walked into the bedroom and, like, literally looked around and then was getting ready to turn to walk out of the bedroom when something caught the corner of his eye. And he turned and he looked at the bed. And there at the head of the bed, nestled between the pillows, was a newborn baby girl. What? Yeah. Just laying on the bed. He hadn't noticed? Mm-mm. So the way I'm picturing this... I am this, very unimpressed with these searches. Okay, so the way I'm picturing this is they've got, like, the bed made, right? Yes. You got your, you got your pillows on yes. it. I'm picturing throw pillows. And then kind of tucked in between the throw pillows is a baby. Yeah, I mean, that's what everyone's picturing. Yeah. 
but you're a You're there searching. Yes. yes. This is the first search that was done with a search warrant. But yeah, I don't. This baby You're was pre- really bending over backwards for these people, Brandy. I, I don't understand how they didn't find this baby. No kidding. Before this moment. Well, I think I do, and it's because a detective walked through a bedroom, literally didn't <laughs> notice a baby on the bed, and like was yeah, about. Yeah, but haven't you seen that episode of Full House? Where <laughs> <laughs> do you know what episode I'm going to tell you about? No, I don't. Where Michelle doesn't want the dog to go home after the birthday oh, party. Oh, she hides, so she the, hides dog in the, in the dog in stuffed animals. But did a detective come searching for the dog or did Danny <laughs> Tanner? You know, it's hard to say. <laughs> Danny Tanner was an investigator in his own way. <laughs> <laughs> if I recall, Michelle was caught. Yeah, she was. <laughs> yeah. On the fourth search, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, no. So obviously the baby was taken in for a welfare check and a DNA test, and Brooke Cruz was arrested on the spot. William Hain was at work at How'd the time. How'd they find her? Yeah, no kidding. She turns out was just standing right there in the apartment. Wow. They almost missed her. <laughs> so on the fifth search, they came back. <laughs> Miraculously, this little baby girl was healthy. Mm-hmm. She was... Just under five pounds. Oh, um, wow. And a DNA test would confirm that the baby girl was the daughter of Savannah LaFontaine Greywind and Ashton Matheny. That DNA test took like three weeks and they wouldn't put the baby in the care of the family until they had her identity confirmed by DNA. Are you serious? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean – Okay, I get that. You want it all confirmed, but man, they couldn't do a rush test. Uh, Yeah. So finally, after the DNA test comes back, after three weeks, the baby girl was handed over to Ashton, and he named her Hazley Joe, the name Savannah had wanted. Joe was in honor of her dad. Hmm. After the discovery of this little baby girl, though, there was still no sign of Savannah. The search effort really ramped up at this point. The police asked people to search their property, their outbuildings, their fields. Joe and Norberta admitted that after the discovery of Hazley Joe, they knew that the chances of finding Savannah alive were like zero. Yeah. And Brooke and William weren't helping. Initially, Brooke told detectives that when Savannah was at her apartment that day, she'd asked Brooke for tips on how to induce her pregnancy naturally. And Brooke had told her how to break her own water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure. Did she not see that episode about Full House where they learned not to lie? <laughs> I guess not. I guess she didn't see that one, Kristen. (laughs) This could have all been solved so easily. Uh Was that the lying police? Oh, no, that was the politeness police with the little badge. Michelle slams it down on the table and she says, I'm done being polite. You know, the one that I can't stop thinking of for some reason is when they all join the gym. (laughs) That's the one that teaches you about eating disorders. Oh, that's right. Because 
DJ, DJ just wants to be thin for the pool party, mm-hmm. and she's got those chipmunk cheeks, and mm-hmm. so she's eating Story of my frozen life. water on popsicle <laughs> sticks, right. and she passes out at the gym. <laughs> so, someone really committed all of it to memory. <laughs> I've seen a couple of episodes of Full House. Yeah. Haven't we all? Except for, like, the cool, hot, young people. Shut up. No one Whatever. likes you. <laughs> So, Brooke told the police that Savannah had told her she was over being pregnant, her feet were swollen, it was painful. And so, Brooke had given her that really neat advice that day on how to break her own water and that Savannah had left and she'd given birth and then returned with the baby. All right. Which she gave to Brooke and Uh said that she didn't want it. Yeah, okay. Are you fucking kidding me? Nobody is believing that story, Brooke. I mean, I don't know. Three days after the discovery. They of the- walked through her house three times and didn't <laughs> see it. So I honestly, I feel pretty confident, too. I'd be like a <laughs> I unicorn. I tell these dipshits anything. <laughs> yeah. For real. Right. It's like playing hide and seek with a three-year-old. Yeah. No, I think a three-year-old would see the baby. Probably. Yeah. Three days after the discovery of the baby, though, and eight days after she'd been reported missing, kayakers found Savannah LaFontaine Greywind in the Red River. She was wrapped in plastic trash bags, and her body told the real story of Mm -hmm. what had happened to her. With that irrefutable evidence, Brooke Cruz would later change her story. After the discovery of Savannah's body, she told them, Probably what's pretty close to the truth. Okay. She said that she lured Savannah to her apartment that day with the express purpose of stealing her baby. She told them that she cornered Savannah in the bathroom like right after they got into the apartment. That she pushed Savannah down and Savannah hit her head on the sink and was then kind of in and out of consciousness. Mm Mm-hmm. As Brooke used a box cutter. <gasps> oh my God. To cut Savannah's baby from her womb. Oh my God. Brooke told the authorities that William had come home sometime in the middle of this whole thing and that he had helped her kill Savannah, clean up the scene, and dispose of the body. When William Hain was. Arrested and subsequently interrogated, he told investigators a little different version of Mm -hmm. this story. He said that he had arrived home from work that day and that Brooke handed him a newborn baby girl and said, this is our baby. This is our family. And initially, William Haynes said he believed that Brooke had given birth because she had told him she was pregnant. Oh, boy. There's one major problem with this version. Brooke Cruz could not have any more children. Brooke had undergone a tubal ligation following the birth of her seventh child. Did he know that? Yes, he did know that. But is she just saying it's a miracle? No. So she had told him that she had had that reversed. Okay. It's a whole thing. We'll get there. Okay. Okay. All right. So – Brooke had seven children Mm -hmm. that she did not have contact with. The father of one of those children was interviewed on this Oxygen show that I watched, Killer Motive. 
And he said that Brooke loved babies. But once the children were no longer babies, she Mm. had no interest in them. And that she had abandoned all seven of her children. By doing what? Like Just just leaving. Oh, wow. Yeah. So in late 2016, there was an incident between William and Brooke where they got in this big fight and William left her. And then to get him back, she told him that she'd had her tubal ligation reversed and that she was pregnant with his child. Hmm. And it had accomplished what she'd wanted it to. He came back to her, and according to William, he believed that she was pregnant. Well, yeah, I mean, that'd be a wild thing to lie about. Absolutely. And you heard it here first. I mean, a fake pregnancy will solve all your problems. It will not. (laughs) Anytime I'm in a gym, I'm just like, I'm pregnant. Pregnant. So then when William came home on August 19th and Brooke handed him a baby and said, this is our baby, for a moment, he believed that it was really their baby. But then Brooke asked for his help. She took him to the bathroom where Savannah lay dead, according to William, or... Dying, according to Brooke. And she asked him to help her clean everything up. Oh, my God. So William told investigators that he'd done just that. He went into CYA mode. No. Cover your ass. Yeah, I understand what CYA means. But Mm -hmm. if if what he's saying is true, that he's really not involved, Mm -hmm. you say, oh, my gosh – May I see our beautiful baby? Oh, yeah. let me hold it. And then and you, you get the fuck out of there and call the police. Yeah. With the baby. Yeah. He said that he'd cleaned up the blood, disposed of blood-soaked towels and clothes in a dumpster away from the apartment complex, and then he'd wrapped Savannah's body in trash bags. Her body had been stuffed inside the bathroom closet during all three of those searches of the apartment yeah that doesn't shock me a bit they Mm -hmm. missed a fucking baby of course they missed a body they said that during those searches the baby was concealed under piles of blankets on the bed i don't care yeah yeah i don't care you're there to investigate a crime yeah you're not opening every closet door how do you not open a closet door i mean what they so the explanation they give for this on this show that I watch on Oxygen is that they didn't have a search warrant. They had to basically do it at the rules of the occupants of the apartment. And so I don't know if they specifically said, yeah, but don't open any closet doors, but okay. Here's what you could do. Mm-hmm. If I'm trying to do a nicey nice search, yeah. I start searching your place, mm-hmm. but really what I'm doing is mostly watching your reaction. Absolutely. And if you get real fucking sweaty McNervous yeah. when I'm in the bathroom by the closet, yeah. then I go and I get I get a search warrant or yeah. something. I I don't know. I'm You couldn't open the closet door and see mm-hmm. a big trash bag? Yeah. Here's why part of me isn't convinced that William was not in on it the entire time. What? 
they had such a tight window to get this crime scene cleaned up and this body hidden somewhere. So there was no fucking freakout time in there for William Hain when he gets home and sees what Brooke has done. Okay, think about this timeline. Mm-hmm. Savannah goes into the apartment at 1.30. The police are there doing their first search by 5 p.m. Mm-hmm. So in three and a half hours, they've killed Savannah cut her baby out of her and completely cleaned up the bathroom and wrapped her body up and gotten it in the closet in such a way that the police come in and don't see that a crime scene has been cleaned up in a bathroom. So you and I disagree on one key point. Okay. You're assuming that the bathroom was cleaned up to the point that an investigator couldn't see that a crime had mm-hmm. recently been commi- committed there. Mm-hmm. I don't fucking buy it. Yeah. I think they probably cleaned it mm-hmm. as quickly and best they could in mm-hmm. the circumstances. Yeah. But if the police had really been looking as mm-hmm. hard as they should have been, yeah. they probably should have seen something. Yeah. I mean, they should have seen something. How did they not see something? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Thank you. I'm a genius. So following the third search of the apartment, um, before the police ever got the search warrant, William had hollowed out a dresser. Oh, my God. And he'd put Savannah's body inside of it. Oh, my God. And then they'd carried it down to their Jeep, loaded it in the back, and they'd driven out to a bridge that ran over the Red River, and they dumped the dresser into the river. Wow. Yeah. Did anyone see them hauling this dresser? No. Wow. I think they did do it, like, in the middle of the night, but still you're talking about an apartment complex, people coming and going. Well, and that that would be even sketchier to see someone in the middle of the night. Yeah. Carrying a dresser out. Yeah. No No better time to move furniture, I say. That's right. So the big legal question in this case would come down to who killed Savannah, Brooke or William? You sounded just like an owl. Thank you. really cool. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want a Tootsie Pop? Brooke told investigators that when William got home and she asked for help, she said that she wasn't sure if Savannah was still alive or not. And that she told this, like, to William. This is what she Mm -hmm. said. And his response was to go in another room, get a rope, and tie it tightly around Savannah's neck. And then he'd said, well, if she wasn't dead before, she is now. Okay, question. You might uh not – I don't know if you know this. Um, I mean, so he disposed of the body. Mm -hmm. Is that a felony? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, then it doesn't really matter who killed her. Mm. In the eyes of the law, right? It kind of does. Oh, tell me more. We'll get there. Are you telling me to keep my pants I on? I am telling you to keep your pants on. So, this William. Is just like that episode of Full House. <laughs> where they Where Danny about- Tanner keeps taking his pants off, and everybody's like, oh. whoa, this is a family show. Yeah. 
They didn't air that episode. No. There was an episode where he wore a skirt. What were they, stealing their fraternity's mascot back from a sorority? Brandy, you remember this (laughs) show better than anyone else. I believe that's what they dressed up as ladies. I wish you would to go cut to a it out. sorority luncheon uh-huh. to steal their fraternity's mascot bag. It was like a stuffed otter, perhaps. Wow. What a zany <laughs> hijink that is. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Wake up, San Francisco. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. I forgot. That was his job. My Barbie. So Kyle and I had, you know, our own families of Barbies. Obviously. And my Barbie was obviously the morning news anchor. Uh-huh. All right. That's the end of that story. Please don't ask any more questions. Anyway, so Brooke says that. All right. She did hard hitting stuff. Okay. <laughs> So Brooke says that when William got home, she told him she wasn't sure if Savannah was alive or not. And so William went, got a yeah. rope, tied it around her neck and was like taken yeah. care of. Yeah. William Hayne, however, contests this version. He said that the rope was already around Savannah's neck when he got home mm-hmm. and that he only helped with the cleanup after the fact. In December of 2017, Brooke Cruz pled guilty to her role in Savannah's murder. She pled guilty to conspiracy to commit murder, conspiracy to commit kidnapping, and lying to police. Okay, but not conspiracy. She did kidnap. Well, yeah, she did. But that's how the – because there was a plan to do it. Oh, okay. All right. Did you like how I made this? Yeah, it was like a little – universal symbol. Yeah, it's a a plan. Nutshell. Yeah. Mm -hmm. At the hearing where she entered her guilty pleas. Wait, is conspiracy – to commit kidnapping worse than just kidnapping? I Maybe. I don't know. Well, sounds bad. Well, yeah, it all sounds bad. But I would think kidnapping is like the thing. Sorry. <laughs> well, if you just like to do a spur of the moment kidnapping. There's no such. Mm-mm. You think she just like dreamt up one day? No, because they charged her with conspiracy to commit <laughs> kidnapping. I don't think that. In fact. All right. Actual experts, reach out, please. <laughs> So during the sentence where she entered these pleas, she openly wept throughout the proceedings and she apologized to the Greywind family. She said, there's no excuse. There is no rationalization. There is nothing. My actions devastated a family and shocked the community that I called home. What did she get for this? I'm sorry, everyone. There's There's a bird losing its fucking mind outside the window. The loudest bird you've ever heard in your life. (laughs) I think. Do you think it's because I hooed? Yeah, I think so. It's trying to get in here. (laughs) There's a fucking owl in there. (laughs) At this hearing, Brooke explained what she had done to Savannah that day and how she had done it. And she explained that it was because. She and William Hayne had gotten into an argument about her pregnancy or lack thereof. So she had told him she was pregnant to get right. him back. He'd come back. And then they told all of their friends and family that they were having a baby. But it became increasingly clear that Brooke Cruz was not pregnant. So according to Brooke, she and William got into an argument and William had demanded that she produce a baby. No. And in a separate conversation, he mentioned how their downstairs neighbor was very pregnant. 
Brooke testified that while she could not say that William Hay knew about her plan to murder Savannah and take her baby, that that is what she had taken those comments to mean. I don't buy it. Do you? Um, yeah, I don't know. I think this is a woman who would do anything to keep this partner, this shitty partner. Well, she sounds pretty shitty herself. I do. I think they're both shitty. I I think she's more shitty if it's a contest. Mm, I mean, yeah. I mean, do I not both, know enough of the story? No, I think they're both shitty. But a guy who comes home and finds that his partner has fucking cut somebody open in the bathroom and doesn't call the police, you're equally shitty. I don't think you're equally shitty. If you believe her version that he then went and tied a rope around her neck, then... Okay, then he's equally shitty. Then he is, yes. But I, I do think like that would be really, really shocking. And yeah, obviously you need to call the police. But like, God, I just I don't know how a person reacts to something like that. No, I don't either. But and I can't put them on the same level as the person who lured a pregnant woman up to their apartment for twenty bucks and then cut a baby out of her. Yeah. No, I. So, okay. I guess maybe the reason that I am putting them on the same level Mm -hmm. is because Brooke is taking full responsibility for her actions. She's pleading guilty. She's. Is she saying she murdered her? She pled guilty to murder. Okay. What's she getting sentenced? She was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. All right. Now, what's this bitch going to say? What bitch? The dude. William what's the, Yeah. Anyway, let's hold on. Let's okay, back I'm up so a tiny good. bit. Sorry. A tiny you know bit. what? I'm being you right now. You are. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Okay. So she explains all of that. She explains that she took his comments to mean you better produce a baby however you have to fucking do it. Because we've told everybody that we're having a baby. And so... While he didn't say to her, go kidnap our neighbor and cut her baby out, that's what she believed he was saying. Okay. See, this is – I think it's a stretch. I think that is a stretch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's a stretch. Yeah, it's – I mean, see, to me, that's – Why do you ha- – why – What? Why are you being so nice to this guy? I'm not being so nice to him. We haven't talked about him yet. I just called him this bitch. We're okay. going to get to that bitch. All right. I'm just saying she seems to be trying to wiggle out of some of this responsibility here. But she pled guilty and, and she knew she would get a life sentence. Um. Yeah, she knew if she went to trial, she'd get a life sentence. So I, I don't give two shits. Oh, I, th- I think it's really – I think – okay. Mm-hmm. So it is going to come down to – spoiler, we'll move ahead a little bit – that even the medical examiner cannot say how – Savannah died. Well, I'm sure. I mean, they dumped her in the water. So, yeah, I'm sure they can't say. She could have fought the murder charge to some degree and say, I'm not the one that murdered her. But she didn't. She pled guilty to all of it. Okay. I. William Hayne, on the other hand, is not going to do that. Sure. I. Again, I. (laughs) I understand that he wasn't involved from the beginning. Yeah. I'm saying this woman 
the case against her is so strong. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't surprise me that she would plead guilty and avoid the death penalty potentially. Mm, I hadn't even considered that. Yeah. Maybe. Do they have the death penalty in North Dakota? I have no idea. uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I bet – I bet my, uh, it's I, never mentioned in this. Case I almost said I bet my butthole <laughs> they have the death penalty. I'd bet my whole butthole. You bet your whole butthole. No, okay. So what? Do, you distracted me greatly, ma'am, from some excellent point I was going to make. <laughs> it's been a long time since you looked at me with horror in your eyes over one of my opinions, and this is this case is. I'm one just of them. really surprised that you've got like some weird soft spot for William Hayne. No, I have a hard spot for this woman. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> uh, you know what? I think they're both super shitty. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> so enlightened. Yes, of course they're super <laughs> shitty. I'm just saying her thing about like, well, he he told me, oh, the neighbor downstairs is pregnant. We'd better have a baby. Like, you know, blow it out your ass, lady. Okay. Yeah, I, I just don't buy that. Okay. Because, you know, even if someone was hinting at that, which no one would, but, you know, if someone was hinting at that, I feel like, hey, miscarriages happen. So we'd just say I had a miscarriage, you know? Yeah. The other thing is I'm I'm also conditioned by you. See, this is all your fault because you, <laughs> you cover these cases a lot. Uh-huh. And I'm sorry, but – I've not heard of one of these cases where the dude is the driving factor behind stealing someone's I baby. don't think he's the driving factor. No. I don't. He's not I even in the passenger that. seat. He's in but, like the um, sidecar that's attached. I don't and think, he doesn't even have a helmet I'm on. I'm not. I, see, that's where we disagree. I think he's just as involved as she is. Just as involved? Brandy, he wasn't Kristen, even. Kristen, he had to have immediately gone to work to help conceal what Brooke had done. There was no moment where he was like, holy shit, what the fuck did you do? You cut a baby out of our neighbor? Are you fucking kidding me? We've got to call the police. Like, there was no time for that. He immediately went to work concealing this. Yeah. He's just as fucking bad as she is. Nope. That's where you lose me. He is terrible. It's terrible (laughs) that he got to work concealing this. I'm sorry. If, again, if we're... Giving out Olympic medals for shittiness, the gold goes to the person who lures the pregnant woman upstairs and cuts the baby out of her. Yeah. All right. So you agree with me. (laughs) So shut up. (laughs) Anyway, um, so she was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Mm -hmm. For his role in Savannah's murder, William Hain pled guilty to conspiracy to commit kidnapping and lying to police, but not guilty to conspiracy to commit murder. Mm -hmm. That is interesting to me because he pleads guilty to the kidnapping charge, Mm -hmm. meaning he was in on it to some degree. Well, yeah. I mean, they kept the baby for a couple days. So, yeah, yeah, he was in on that. Okay, And he knew it wasn't their baby. So, yeah, you're guilty of kidnapping. Okay, So he went on trial for the murder charge in September of 2018. And the main witness for the prosecution was Brooke Cruz. Mm -hmm. She talked about how, I mean, all the stuff I've already told you. She laid out how she had faked a pregnancy to salvage her relationship. And then she testified that 
there had been this argument and William said that he knew she wasn't pregnant mm-hmm. and that he demanded that she produce a baby. She said that this led her to believe that she had, quote, better have a baby no matter how it happened. And then in a separate conversation, she testified that William Hayne had mentioned how, quote, that Grey Wind girl is really pregnant. And Brooke said on the stand that she thought that meant that he wanted her to take Savannah's baby. Uh, you can look at your face over there all you want. <laughs> what you are that making mean? the most skeptical face? <laughs> <laughs> I do think this is a wild notion that she thinks those oh, little bits of. No, I don't. Like earlier today when you were like, I really want some ice cream. <laughs> my thought was, you know what Brandy is telling me right now? She's not like actually telling me, but like I get the vibe. She wants me to rob an ice cream store. With 12 guns. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what she's telling me right now. And so that's what I'm going to do. I mean, like, it's a vibe. She's not, like, saying it, saying it. Mm -hmm. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Well, seriously, that's stupid. I don't – I wouldn't say it's stupid. I'd say that this woman is clearly suffering from some severe mental issues. Well, yeah. Yeah, I think it takes the same type of person who would fake a pregnancy and cut out another woman's baby to draw this conclusion from what her partner is saying. I think those Mm – yeah, you and I would not draw this same conclusion. Right, so are we – but how much are we putting on him right now oh, in that conversation? I, no, I don't, I'm not putting that on him. No. Because okay, I blame that whole ice cream robbery on you. <laughs> Those kids at Andy's were terrified. And I said, they this were. is Brandy's fault. <laughs> um, okay, so then she talks about how she physically did it. She got her up to the apartment. She cornered her in the bathroom. She pushed her down. Ugh. She said she hit her head on the sink. And then she was just going in and out of consciousness from hitting her head. However, a medical examiner testified that Savannah didn't show any signs of head injury. So this didn't Hmm. back up that version. Okay. Brooke continued on in her testimony and said that she then grabbed the box cutter and that she had taken the baby out of Savannah's womb. She said... That then William came home and she handed him the baby and said, this is our baby. This is our family. Mm -hmm. And then he was super happy at first. And then she asked for his help, showed him what she'd done. And he had asked, is she dead? Mm -hmm. And Brooke said on the stand, she said, I don't know. Please help me. And she said at that point, William left the room, went and got a rope, came back in, tied it around Savannah's neck and said if she wasn't dead before, she is now. That same medical examiner who testified that there was no head injury to Savannah also testified that he was unable to determine if Savannah had either died of blood loss or strangulation. It was Mm -hmm. impossible to tell. Her official cause of death was listed as homicidal violence. I mean, yeah, that'll that'll do it. On the stand, Brooke Cruz said, I can't undo what I've done, but I can do everything in my power to own up to what I did. 
William Hain took the stand in his own defense at the trial. He testified that he believed Brooke Cruz when she told him she was pregnant and that he had been elated that afternoon when he came home and heard a baby crying. How old was he? Do you know? He's like 38. Okay. 30, 32. No, she, he's 32. She's 38. Something like that. Okay. And it wasn't until he saw the scene in the bathroom that he realized what had happened and mm-hmm. that this was, in fact, not their baby. Yeah. He was asked on the stand whether he had an agreement with Brooke to kill Savannah and take her baby. And he said, absolutely not. No, no, no. For the defense, an inmate from the Western North Dakota Women's Prison, where Brooke Cruz was serving her time, mm-hmm. testified that Brooke had told her that she strangled Savannah Graywind and cut out her baby. This obviously varies from the way Brooke mm-hmm. had testified, and it seems that the jury believed this version rather than Brooke's version. Well, yeah, I mean, the medical examiner. The me- it matches up more with what the medical examiner yeah. said. Absolutely. And the jury acquitted William Hain on the conspiracy to commit murder charge. Yeah, I think you have to. Yeah. Despite this acquittal, though, the judge labeled William Hain as a dangerous offender. So he previously had a child abuse conviction mm-hmm. resulting from an incident where he reportedly slammed his child down on a changing table. Oh. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. He also had two children that he did not have contact with. Mm -hmm. And with this label as a dangerous offender, the sentencing changes. And so the judge was able to sentence him to life in prison because he was labeled a dangerous offender. And so that's what he sentenced him to for the conspiracy to commit kidnapping and lying to police. He sentenced him to life in prison with the possibility of parole. Mm -hmm. William Hain. Um, appealed this sentence saying that the judge erred in labeling him a dangerous offender. So, Yeah, is that just at the judge's discretion? So it's really interesting. So according to the prosecutor, this law in North Dakota at this time, I don't know if they've changed Mm -hmm. it since then, was really vague. There wasn't real specific guidelines about how you label someone as a dangerous offender. Mm -hmm. And so William Hain appealed this sentence to the North Dakota Supreme Court. And in October of 2019, they agreed that this label was put on him erroneously. Mm -hmm. So they said that in order to label him a dangerous offender, that his previous conviction must be similar to the conviction he is. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And a child abuse conviction and a kidnapping conviction are not similar enough for him to be labeled that way. They do kind of sound similar. (laughs) I mean. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) And so they overturned his his sentence. And in October – I'm sorry. Could you get the facts straight before you start telling us this? (laughs) Anyway, so he was resentenced to 20 years Mm -hmm. in prison, which was the maximum that was allowed by law. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Um, I mean, you have to be mad about that. Yeah, I think it's pretty low. But I also think he – I I do agree with you that he wasn't luring Savannah up to the bathroom and cutting her baby out. That was Brooke. Yeah. So, yeah, this probably fits the crime. His sentence fits the crime. Do you think he killed her? I don't, actually. I don't either. I really don't. 
But I think he's just as culpable because he. No. No, what? I uh, I have a real problem with how he just immediately went to work helping conceal this crime. Well, yes, anyone should. You'd be nuts not yeah. to think it's terrible. So to me, like, yeah, 20 years. You get yeah. 20 years because that was a terrible thing to do. Yeah. But um, I, I uh, you know what, this is going to be a theme with my case too. The reason I'm getting so uh-huh. worked up is yeah. because this is a theme, this thing of like, oh, okay. you're both equally blah, blah, uh-huh. blah, and I just think that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Savannah's family was really upset by his resentencing. Yeah. They thought that that was not justice. And I can understand them feeling well, sure. that way, of course. Oh, gosh. I- anybody does anything – to oh, someone yeah. in my family. I yes. mean, yes. Hang them by their toenails for the next million years, of course. <laughs> <laughs> we had a teacher that used to say that. Maybe it was my third grade teacher. Which teacher was I it? I think it was Mrs. Tollison. And okay. she would say, I didn't, Yeah, we're going to yeah. ha- hang you up by your toenails. Oh, boy, that's it's rough. Paints a picture. <laughs> Anyway, so he was resentenced to 20 years in prison. As a result of Savannah's murder, Savannah's act was submitted for um, Jesus Christ. Savannah's act was Jesus. Let me hit this again. (laughs) No, please. Patty, keep this all in. Please do not. Brandy knows all about um, how (laughs) Bill. Let me sing. I'm I'm just just a bill. bill. Yes, I'm (laughs) only only a bill. Anyway, so they submitted the PDF. Stop it. (laughs) Following Savannah's murder, former North Dakota Senator Heidi Heitkamp introduced Savannah's Act in the United States Senate in October of 2017. The bill aimed to improve tribal access to federal crime information databases and create a standardized protocol for responding to cases of missing and murdered indigenous women. It took like three years for this to get turned into a law. So initially it didn't mm-hmm. pass. Some people opposed the language that was in it. But in October of 2020, Savannah's Act was signed into law. So that's interesting. So was there a feeling that this case, like things, I mean, oh, I guess probably because the police did such a f- dumb fucking job with the search. There was a feeling that because she was an indigenous woman. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That they yeah. didn't. Yeah. They didn't give it the attention they would have were she not well, an indigenous woman. I mean. Yeah. Can't argue with that. I they can't argue with that at all. In the in the fucking apartment four mm-hmm. times before they notice a baby, there was a body in there. Yeah. I, give me a break. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that yep. it shouldn't have taken them no. three years to get this bill no. passed. That so initially been... there was some – I read a, a couple of articles about mm-hmm. this and it's a little bit confusing because I don't understand how bills become laws because <laughs> I've only seen that Schoolhouse Rock song like one time. Yeah, you but... only memorized the full house episodes. <laughs> anyway, it I, uh, takes all my time to do that. <laughs> but people were concerned initially that it puts too much focus on only protecting indigenous women on reservations and not urban indigenous women as Savannah was. She didn't – live on a reservation at this time and so they were there was some conversations about if this would actually have improved her situation at all mm-hmm. and so i think the so it's more complicated it yeah. is more complicated yeah so it was broadened a bit i believe mm-hmm. hmm. and that's the story of the murder of savannah lafontaine Greywind. that's awful yeah did the baby turn out okay? I mean, like yeah, the baby is like four years old today oh, and thriving. Good. At the end of this episode, they talked about this Native American naming ceremony mm-hmm. that takes place, and like it's like this big ceremony, and like the 
family's not involved in choosing the name, like the tribe elders mm-hmm. choose the name. And the baby was given the name of it's the Dakota word for survivor. And like that's they awesome. didn't know the baby's background when this baby was given that name. I, I mean, it. Just, I bawled my eyes out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. But yeah, Hazley Joe is thriving, and her dad is taking care of her. Wow. Yeah. Oh gosh, what a sad story. Yeah. I'm sorry I got so mad at you. <laughs> And I'm sorry you had such stupid opinions. Oh, no. My, my computer's shutting down. It what? Says, says I need a software update. Oh, not right now. No. Now is not the time. Now is not the time. Now is the time for an ad. That's right. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, do you know anything about this story? Hello? Hi, sorry. <laughs> Just hang on! <laughs> no! Yeah, oh, no. I forgot that you did actually give a name. No, I don't know anything <laughs> Almost all of this comes from the article The Throwaways by Sarah Stillman for The New Yorker. The trial coverage comes from the Tallahassee Democrat and the Tampa Tribune. You know, also thank you to all So the this happens in Florida. Very good, Brandy. Thank you. Mm-hmm. 
Brandy, milady, let's talk about confidential informants. Oh. In the war on drugs, confidential informants are key. Why are you making a face? Do you not like keys? Oh. (gasps) I guess we know which side you're on. Sarah Stillman's New Yorker article estimated that CIs are involved in as many as 80% of drug cases. And they're great because you know what? Undercover cops are expensive, but confidential informants aren't. You don't have to train them. You don't even have to fill out a bunch of paperwork about them. And best of all, there aren't a lot of annoying rules about who can become a CI. A child cha- seems like a problem. <laughs> what? No, no, this is it's all very convenient, okay? A child be can become rules. a CI. Uh, that seems like a real problem. Someone who's struggling with an addiction can become a CI. Someone who's in way over their head, like they can they can be a CI. Okay. It's a win-win situation, Brandy, that's what I'm telling you. Wait, who's the two winners? I'll tell you. The confidential informants give police the information they need, and the cops make a big drug bust. Woo! And in exchange, maybe the CI gets their own drug charges dropped or reduced. Okay. When? When? Hmm. Here's just one little thing. Um, being a CI can be super dangerous. Yeah, I would imagine it's extremely dangerous. That's when you said children could be. That sounds like a real problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Generally speaking, the people who get pressured to become CIs are young people of color who don't have a lot of money. And back before we started to see the decriminalization of marijuana, a lot of CIs were just people who'd been caught with pot and didn't want to go to prison for it. Yeah, imagine that. There are a lot of examples of CIs getting found out and getting murdered. But the vast majority of those murders haven't resulted in any kind of policy change or new rules around how law enforcement handles confidential informants. But the murder of Rachel Hoffman is an exception to that rule. And that's the case we'll discuss today. Okay. Everybody got your papers ready. Everybody got your chapstick on. I'm putting on some Carmex here. Do I sound like a 1920s newspaper Got your Carmex here. Extra, extra. (laughs) Very sorry. How jarring for someone who doesn't know what goofballs we are. They just like picked this episode out, you know, thought it'd be interesting. (laughs) Joke's on you. Buttholes. (laughs) I wasn't calling them buttholes for the record. Oh, I, was I know. Just, I was just slipping buttholes into the conversation. As one does. That's right. Didn't I just say I'd bet my butthole you on did. something? You did say you'd bet your butthole. My most valuable asset. <laughs> asset. <laughs> okay. Anyway, that's anyway that's what's happening on this podcast. Okay. So. <laughs> Although if you haven't picked up on that by now, yeah, <laughs> you're equally culpable. As Brandy would say. Calm down. Equally culpable. <laughs> That's how you sounded. Okay, great. Like Homestar Runner. <laughs> Wait, no, that wasn't Homestar. What, what was the bad guy on Homestar Runner? I don't know. What oh, is that? Neither do I. You know every episode of Full House, but you don't remember Homestar Runner? No, what's Homestar Runner? <sighs> we don't have time anyway. What is it? It was a very cool webcomic. In like I mean, 03. It sounds, yeah, it sounds vaguely familiar. Okay. 
and yet you can give us a blow-by-blow of every yeah, single Yeah, what episode bowl. do you want to know about? <laughs> Let me tell you None. all about it. Please. So we had one enough. time Joey thought that they were kicking him out of the house, mm-hmm. and they, he thought they had just, like, threw all his shit into the garage, and he was really pissed about it, and mm-hmm. they were like, just but go get happened? it. Go down there. Yeah. And then it turns out that they converted the garage into a really nice bedroom for him. And he was really touched. Yeah. By an angel, which is a different show. Um, I was never a Joey fan. Cut it out. Yeah, exactly. I was never a fan of him. You like Mr. Woodchuck? No, I thought he was stupid. Even as a child, I thought he was stupid. <laughs> Uncle Jesse I enjoyed because he was smoking hot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He could Even stay. Even when he had that stupid mullet. <laughs> yeah. You know, some people— Yeah, but people, when he got his hair cut oh, off— Oh, I know. I know. Hot. Goodness gracious. <laughs> Have mercy. Have mercy. Yes. <laughs> Did you like Uncle Joey? I mean, I didn't really think that much about Uncle Joey. Uncle Joey, though, Dave Couillet uh-huh. is the one you ought to know is about. Did you know that? Yeah, I knew that. Yeah. Anyway, he recently tried to go spoke down on me in the that. theater. What would he say? He said he had no idea that he'd hurt Elias Morissette so deeply mm. until he heard that song. Okay, well. He said they're cool now, though. Well, yeah, I mean, what are you going to say? <laughs> I mean, they better be cool now. How it's been a million Four years. years. <laughs> did he cheat on her? I don't Wasn't that know. The well, why'd you bring it up? <laughs> did you bring it up or did I bring it up? It just organically it just came happened. up in conversation. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if he cheated on her, I don't want to hear any bullshit about like I had no idea I hurt her that much. <laughs> Did that's you what, not want me to stick my dick in that other woman? That's what Sam Shepard said. My brother told me <laughs> that sexual relations with someone other than my wife might hurt my wife. Imagine my shock when I found out that my wife had feelings. <laughs> anyway, um, please let me get back to the point. Yes. All right. Mm-hmm. Jesus, bite your coffee down. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm in kind of a fun mood. You know, sometimes I get my fun ant energy. Yeah. I think it's the earrings. I've got big yeah, you have hoops big on. And also, we were... We were miming being ribbon dancers before we recorded today, mm-hmm. so that's probably Everyone, part of it. Norman didn't remember the ribbon dancer. Yeah. Norman. Oh, my God. <laughs> Some people... He thought we were talking about just scarves. Yeah, like dance, like juggling scarves. Like, there's no such thing as a juggling scarf. Yes, it's, there is. Okay, but I mean, just scarves. You know, people get the the idea. Jesus. But I'll tell you what, it's not scarves slash ribbon dancer. Those are two totally, totally different, different things. things. All right, let me talk about a murder. <laughs> Jesus. I thought you started it like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Are there too many tangents on this podcast for you? Hmm? <sighs> it's delicious coffee. I think I'll just sip it for a while. Okay, great. Okay, back to Rachel. Yes. Rachel Hoffman was white. She had a middle class background and she was kind of a free spirit. She loved an adventure. 
She went skydiving. She hiked the Grand Canyon. Rocky Mountain climbing. And unlike some people, she didn't get on a canyon toe. What? <laughs> what? I went skydiving. Rocky Mountain climbing. Mm-hmm. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. That... That song does not sound familiar. It's and Tim I, McGraw. Okay. Live like you were dying. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know I'm not a I'm not a big fan of that song. So I I I think you I must it out. Well, I think I must skip. You know, <laughs> as soon as that thing comes on. By the way, are you watching The Patient? Not yet. I want to watch it so badly, though. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna, shocked you're watching it. What do you mean you're shocked? It's kind of spooky. You don't like spooky stuff. Yes, I do. I don't like horror movies. Oh, okay. But you tell me Steve Carell is a therapist and his serial killer client kidnaps he's him. A hosti- yeah, he's held hostage by his yeah, – anyway. I have to tell you something that's not a spoiler. Okay, but tell me. It is really like my favorite detail. They made the serial killer a Kenny Chesney fan. <laughs> Like a huge Kenny Chesney fan. <laughs> He's a member of No Shoes Nation, right? <laughs> so you guys have that in common. <laughs> so Norman, it's like everyone I took Norman to a Kenny Chesney concert and he did not enjoy it. I however did. And um <laughs> so now like the serial killer will listen to some great songs, in my yeah. opinion. And I'm singing along with the serial killer. Yeah, Norm can't wait for that part to be over. No, he gets a lot of satisfaction to be like, yeah, you and the serial killer. Big Kenny Chesney fans. Mm-hmm. It's a lifestyle, Brandy. Okay. You wouldn't understand. That's No Shoes Nation people. <laughs> anyway, what I'm trying to tell you is Rachel was a free spirit. She hiked the Grand Canyon and didn't get canyon toe like some people we know. Okay, great. Good for her. I'm really proud of her. I got canyon toe when I hiked the Great Canyon. It's fine. Toes aren't the same today. <laughs> did it do permanent damage? Yeah, it did. Did it really? Yeah. What was the permanent damage? To my toenails. Well, yeah, I understand. Like they what just happened? grow different. Different how? They're. This is disgusting. People don't want to know about this. Listen, people know what they signed up for with this fucking podcast. They are – we'll say they're less connected than they once were. What the – The what? nail bed was damaged and so oh like – Oh my god. So like there's – The slightest breeze will take them right off? Wow. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> and how was your vagina impacted by the camel toe? It, <laughs> I did not suffer camel toe on this particular <laughs> hike, Kristen. That's not what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was really disgusting. I don't know why you insisted on telling us that. <laughs> anyway, Rachel loved music festivals. She often attended them wearing a floppy, fabulous purple hat. Her parents were Irv Hoffman and Margie Weiss, and they divorced when Rachel was a baby. So Rachel's life was divided between two pretty different houses. Her dad, Irv, was a mental health counselor, and he was a little more on the serious side. And her mom, Margie, was a nurse and a massage therapist and a little hippy-dippy. So one house was more structured, the other a little less so. And that definitely showed in Rachel's personality. 
After high school, she went off to Florida State University, where she majored in criminal justice and psychology. She got an internship at a mental health institute, and she liked to smoke pot. She sold pot to her friends. But then, in her junior year of lock her up, lock her up. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. In her junior year of college, she got pulled over for speeding. And okay, Rachel's car definitely smelled like pot. I mean,、uh-huh. it was a thing.、Yeah. So the officer questioned her, and Rachel admitted that she had some marijuana in the car, almost an ounce of it. That wasn't great. So she was put in a court-ordered substance abuse program, and as part of the program, she had to do these weekly drug tests. She was good about submitting to the drug tests, except for that one time in March of two thousand eight when she didn't. She missed the drug test to go to a funeral, but still, you can't just not show up for、mm-hmm. a drug test. So, in early April of two thousand eight, she was ordered to go to jail for three days. Really? Yeah. Holy shit! I know, because she got caught with a little pot. I yeah. Mean, what a giant waste! It is such a waste. Rachel was pretty freaked out, but she tried to put on a brave face. She had other things to worry about. By that point, her college graduation was just a few weeks away, and she was trying to figure out the next steps in life. She had already applied for her master's degree in mental health counseling, but she knew she didn't want to go like a super traditional route with counseling. She wanted to combine some of her passions. She loved helping kids, but she also had this passion for cooking. So she was considering enrolling in culinary school because she had this idea for a new. Form of therapy where, you know, that sounds amazing. Yeah, like a hands-on therapy. Yes, yes, that sounds amazing. Yeah, her whole thing was like, you know, a lot of kids don't aren't going to open up in like a、yeah. stuffy office.、Yeah. But if we're making a pizza, yeah, then you know, yeah, that sounds amazing.、Talk. Does that exist? I don't know, but it. I mean, it should. It really should. This article is from like 2012, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, what a groundbreaking, amazing!" Seriously, I, I really think that's such a good idea. So do I. So you know, she had that kind of cool idea, but for now, she had to focus on those last few weeks of college. But on April 17th, 2008, she was sitting alone in her apartment, which was filled with scented candles and John Lennon posters and. The New Yorker article didn't mention a tapestry, but you there know, was come, for there sure was one. There. Absolutely,、yeah. a tapestry <laughs> above her bed. I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> and the police knocked on the door. They said they were there on an anonymous tip. They asked her if she had any illegal substances in her apartment. What's your face? What's your face about? They can do that. Show up on an anonymous tip? Yeah. Where's their warrant? They don't have one. They're just knocking on the door, asking questions. Brandy. Okay. No, officer. I have nothing here. Thank you. Have a great day. Well, Rachel admitted that she did have stuff. They asked if they could search her apartment. She said no, yes. No, thank you. Have a great day. I actually don't know that they asked, but I, I wonder if you, if you're in a、It's、program, like a vampire, and, like what? You, once you've invited them in the house, <laughs> they can do whatever they want to. <laughs> You took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> took the words right out of my mouth. 
Is that also Tim McGraw? I don't know that one either. That's Meatloaf! <laughs> Must have been while you were kissing me. Ew. God, Meatloaf sucked. <laughs> How dare you besmirch the good name of Meatloaf! Does Meatloaf have a good name? Yes! I feel like the only good thing they did was Paradise by the Dashboard Lights. Wow. No. You're so mad you didn't even join I in. I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I stole the words right out of your mouth, probably, no, when I was smooching on you. the words right out of my mouth. Oh, my God. I'm sorry for Must messing up those you amazing lyrics. Me. It took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> You've never heard this song before? I, like most people, am not familiar with, like, Meatloaf's... Uh, Non-Hell album. <laughs> How do you know the name of I it? mean, I assume it's on that album. I'm not positive. <laughs> Milo is very successful, Kristen, a very popular musician. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I if <laughs> we've all heard of Meatloaf. I mean, but, like, <laughs> you know what? We're going to move on. Okay. Anyway, so you made the point about the vampires, which was very helpful. Uh, yada, yada, yada. Um, they, <laughs> they searched the apartment and they found five ounces of pot and four ecstasy pills. Rachel was in serious trouble. The police told her that they could charge her with possession of cannabis with intent to sell. And they could charge her with maintaining a drug house. Those were felonies. She could go to prison for four years. Holy shit. But or have... we could make this all go away. Mm-hmm. By making you a confidential informant. They said that, you know, if she became a confidential informant, maybe they could reduce the charges. Maybe the charges could go away. The key was that she needed to provide substantial assistance to law enforcement. That was the rule. Substantial assistance. The fuck's that mean? That's really vague. You know, it's substantial, you know. Okay. What more do you want? I don't like how vague that is, and I Mm -hmm. don't like that the reward is not specifically laid out. Hmm. Like, what? That's really picky of you. Well, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, Rachel agreed to that deal. They didn't charge her with anything, and in exchange, she would help them catch a bigger fish. The next day, she went to the police station, and she signed a contract to become a CI. She'd be confidential informant number 1129. Her point of contact was Officer Ryan Pender, whom she saved in her phone as Pooh Bear. Why? I wish I knew. (laughs) (laughs) I'm guessing... Um, that, like, if anybody goes through her phone, like, the last person you're expecting as, like, her contact within the police would be the guy who she saved as Pooh Bear. Pooh Bear. Okay. According to one of Rachel's friends, the police told her that she needed to help them bust people who were into some serious shit. Guns, cocaine, heroin. But Rachel wasn't very well connected with that world. And maybe she wasn't cut out to be a C.I., Because the first person she decided to set up was this guy she knew who sold pot. 
But the more she thought about it, she's like, I can't do that to him. He's my friend. Like, So before that deal could even go through, she called him up and she was like, I am so sorry. I'm working with the police right now and they want me to set somebody up. I was going to set you up. You know, she's just like, sorry, 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 yeah. sorry. He's, you know, and she's very scared because she needed to give someone to the police. Otherwise, they might charge her and she would go to prison. Mm-hmm. So the guy was like, hey, okay, it's all right. If you want, I can try to find someone for you to target. And she agreed. And since he was doing her this solid, Rachel was like, as a thank you, I will pay your utility bill. And the guy was stoked because his utility bill was overdue. So, <laughs> Okay, great. Works out for everyone. <laughs> At some point in all this, Rachel graduated from Florida State. And a while later, the guy was like, okay, there's this guy named... Andrea Green. I've seen him dealing before. He works at an auto shop. Or was it a car wash? Some places called it a car detailing shop. Is that just fancy car wash? These are the things I don't know. Yeah, that's like way beyond just a car wash. It's where they, you know, detail the car. Like scrub it down real good? I mean. Yeah. Okay. Like when you buy a car and it looks brand new and mm-hmm. shiny even though it's, you know, got 40,000 miles on it, mm-hmm. it's been detailed. Ah. Do you have your car detailed sometimes? I don't. I really want to though. <laughs> I mean, these services are available to I you. I know, but I think they're kind of expensive. It seems kind of extravagant. Oh. <laughs> I've had one car detailed ever and it was, it came back to me and it was like a whole new a world. A brand new fucking car. Wow. Okay. The funny thing was Rachel had actually met Andrea before. She'd taken her car to him one time and he'd teased her because it reeked of weed. So Rachel told the cops about Andrea Green and they were like, great, let's get you started. The initial plan was for her to just buy drugs. But Rachel asked Officer Ryan Pender, well, if I bought a gun... Would that help my charges? She was really concerned about clearing that bar of providing substantial assistance to law enforcement. Mm -hmm. And Ryan told her, any charge you get against him, if you bought anything stolen from him, if he's dealing with stolen property, that would be a charge. That would help with substantial assistance. So it was settled. They had her wear a wire and go to the auto shop and arrange to buy some cocaine and 1,500 ecstasy pills and a gun. Jesus. Right? She had four ecstasy pills in her apartment. Right? What's she going to do with 1,500? This is – they're fucking blowing their wad way too early. I never say that again. <laughs> <laughs> you can't go in fucking guns blazing. Yeah, your first purchase. My first purchase, I'm purchasing 1,500 ecstasy pills? Mm-hmm. Are you fucking crazy? That's <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> when she placed that order, Rachel explained that she had friends visiting from Miami. 1,500 <laughs> And they wanted some drugs, and she wanted a gun for personal safety. She said she wanted a gun that was small and pretty. So Andrea, who was in his early 20s, and his brother-in-law, Danilo Bradshaw, 
who was also in his early 20s, worked together to get Rachel what she wanted. Because, you know, this was a pretty big order, as you mentioned. It is a fucking huge order. How much cocaine was she buying? It'd be funny if it was just like a speck of cocaine. I mean, 1,500. 1,500 ecstasy tabs? Bills? What does it come in? I don't know. I never purchased ecstasy. I only picture them, uh, (laughs) purchase them in packs of 2,000 (laughs) for all my friends. They're coming in from Miami. (laughs) So. Once they got everything together, they told Rachel to meet them at Danilo's parents' house, just outside of Tallahassee. Mm. She'd need to bring thirteen grand in cash, and they'd give her everything she'd asked for. The police had to be stoked. According to the Tallahassee Democrat, this was going to be the police department's biggest buy-bust in memory. Yeah, but they're... What? They are setting her up for failure. Why do you say that? Because this is way too big of an order. It looks suspicious as hell. Also, even if – okay, all right. Say that the Andrea and his brother believe that she's really there to dry these mm-hmm. buy these drugs. I almost said dry these bugs. <laughs> <laughs> buy these drugs. They've also now put her in a position where she's meeting two men mm-hmm. that she doesn't know. Mm-hmm. With a large amount of money. Mm-hmm. That seems very dangerous. And we know for sure they're bringing at least one gun. One handgun. It's small and pretty. What could go wrong? I, well, I mean, you told us that she gets murdered. So yep. I don't think it's going well. This was all scheduled to go down on May 7th, 2008. At around 6 p.m. that evening, Rachel went to the police station and they put a wire on her and they put a recording device in her purse and they gave her 13 grand in marked bills. They normally don't put a recording device in a purse. They usually put it in the car. It's safer that way, but Rachel felt more comfortable with it in her purse. One of the guys offered to go with her, which obviously would increase the safety, but she felt like, no, you know, I... That might be weird, you know. Mm -hmm. Okay. She was the expert, so it's okay to go with what she wants to do, right? No, you – again, I say they are not setting her up for success here. They're setting her up for failure. Yeah. Rachel hadn't told many people what she was doing, but her boyfriend knew. And right before she headed out, he texted her, I kind of like you, so be safe. But of course Rachel would be safe. She wasn't alone. There were 15 police officers, three DEA agents, and one highway patrol officer all in the immediate vicinity. They'd all be hanging around. They'd be monitoring her this whole time. And Officer Pender would have eyes on her the whole time. So Rachel drove out to the location, but at the last minute, the guys said, hey, let's not meet at the house. Let's meet at Forest Meadows Park. And Rachel agreed. But Rachel wasn't familiar with the area. And when she got close to the park, she made a wrong turn and the police lost sight of her. And then the wire went dead. Oh, my gosh. So the police couldn't hear Rachel. They couldn't see her. They called her cell phone. She didn't answer. Minutes passed. Then Rachel called Officer Ryan Pender. She told him she was headed toward a plant nursery. She said... I followed them from the nursery. We're on Gardner. 
It looks like the deal is going to go down here. It's a dead-end street. And Ryan knew something was wrong. Yeah. He said, turn around, turn around. Do not follow them. And then the line went dead. Oh, shit. The officers panicked. None of them were very familiar with that area either. They didn't know where Gardner Road was. So they searched for it. A DEA plane circled overhead, looking for Rachel and her silver Volvo. But the area was so thickly wooded that they couldn't see anything. The officers did eventually find Gardner Road, but it was too late. They went down it. They hit the dead end. Couldn't find Rachel. They couldn't even find her car. Oh, my gosh. All they found were a couple spent rounds, six cigarette butts, and one of Rachel's flip-flops. They searched and searched and searched for her, but couldn't find her. At around 2.30 that morning, an officer called Rachel's parents and said that Rachel was missing. A couple hours later, they called Rachel's parents again and told them that Rachel was still missing and that they should come to Tallahassee. So Margie and Irv did, in a pure panic. They arrived at the Tallahassee Police Department, where they were taken to the narcotics unit. Margie wondered why they weren't being taken to the missing persons unit. Mm -hmm. But, you know, okay, you know, go with it. The police chief, Dennis Jones, told Irv and Margie that Rachel was still missing, but officers were searching for her. He said the best thing that Irv and Margie could do was go back to Rachel's apartment and wait there. So that's what they did. They don't know anything about what's mm -hmm. going on. Yeah, they didn't, like, let them in on the fact that nope. she was... Nope. <sighs> okay. I think... I think that they had this hope that she'd tried to steal the 13 grand and run. So, like, they went to her boyfriend's house and they were like, hey, have you seen her? And he, of course, was like, no. no. So, honestly, I think that's what they were hoping. Mm -hmm. No, that makes sense. So her parents went to Rachel's apartment and they turned on the TV so that they could watch the local news. And there was a segment on Rachel. And, wow... They learned a lot from that news segment. According to a press release from the police, Rachel had, quote, provided assistance during a police operation the day she went they missing. They learned that on the news? They learned it on the news. I would have lost my fucking mind. They also learned that officers suspected foul play in her disappearance. Very cool. Very, very right. cool. Right, right. Yeah. Happy to learn that on the news. Wonderful. They also named two suspects. Great. All of this information could have just been given to the parents when they were right there at the police station. That sounds uncomfortable to have to admit, like, yeah, we put your daughter in a terrible position. Mm -hmm. Great. Something totally preventable. So, you know, the news was out. Andrea Green and Danilo Bradshaw were the two suspects. From the news, Rachel's parents also learned that the police had found her car. It had been abandoned outside a welding shop. Police had also found Rachel's iPhone. It was lying on the side of the road in a ditch. 
All this information was stunning. Rachel clearly wasn't just missing. No. Something horrible had happened to her. But it didn't take long to find Andrea and Danilo. At around 5 p.m. the day after Rachel went missing, Andrea and Danilo were arrested in Orlando in a Macy's parking lot at the Mall of the Millennia, Mm. which is a dated name. Shopping? Yep. Shopping at Macy's. Yep, they had quite a bit of money on them. Yeah. Early that next morning, Andrea and Danilo led police to a creek bed off of Cabbage Grove Road in Perry, Florida. And that was where they'd left Rachel's body. They'd shot her five times with the gun she'd said she wanted to buy and covered her with her Grateful Dead sweatshirt. That morning, police held a press conference. And they blamed Rachel for her murder. I'm sorry, what? Oh, yeah, you're going to love this quote. Officer David McCraney said, We had established protocols in place to ensure her safety. At some point during the investigation, she chose not to follow the instructions. She met Green and Bradshaw on her own. That meeting ultimately resulted in her murder. First of all, no, she didn't. You... She didn't meet them on her own. Right. She thought you assholes were watching her. Yes. And you lost her. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. So to sum it up, she fucked this whole thing up. Margie and Irv were stunned. Why were the police talking about their daughter that way? And why had their daughter, who'd never even fired a gun before, been at the center of a major drug bust? Yeah. Over the next few weeks, they learned more about how tragically common it was for young people, many of them teenagers, to become CIs without talking to a lawyer first or even just being made aware of the risks. CIs all over the country had been murdered, just like Rachel. And it seemed like nobody in power cared. But here's the thing. Irv and Margie are nothing if not determined and well-connected, Brandy. Mm -hmm. So they reached out to an attorney named Lance Block. (sighs) Lance happened to be the dad of one of Rachel's friends, and he's also a big fucking deal. He is? Why, are you surprised? No, I'm just telling you. They're well-connected. All right, well, I'm trying to tell you. Tell me about what a big deal he is. I just like his name, Lance Block. Mm Mm-hmm. At one point, he was the president of the Academy of Florida Trial Lawyers. Oh, shit. And he was the chair of the Florida Lawyers Action Group. And in 2005, he got his clients one of America's largest jury verdicts ever, $30.6 million. Wow. I'm looking at this and I was just researching um, the Aaron Andrews case Mm -hmm. and I think the jury awarded her 55 million. So I'm wondering, is this really one of the biggest? Probably was at the time. All right. We won't take that away from you, Lance. Yeah. In the 2000 presidential election, he was the lead attorney for the Democratic Party in the recount. Sure wish you'd won that one. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. All this to say, Lance Block was the right guy to call. And he was like, okay, Irvin Margie, I'm going to represent you pro bono. 
What happened to Rachel was wrong, and we're going to change some laws. Lance began looking into what the rules were around confidential informants. and Well, there's fucking none, as it turns out. Yeah. The rare exception is California. California had a rule that confidential informants can't be younger than 13. That's... Yeah. I I know. Like... (laughs) That's like having no rules. (laughs) It's alarming to me. Yeah. That that's not. I mean, my God, how young are these confidential informants? They must be pretty fucking young. That has to be a rule. Yeah. So Irv and Margie and Lance decided to brainstorm their own rules. Mm -hmm. First off, they discovered that a lot of people who get pressured into becoming CIs haven't been charged yet. And they haven't been arrested yet, which means they haven't been read their Miranda rights. So that needed to change. They wanted anyone who was asked to become a CI to know that they had the right to speak to an attorney first. Also, you know, certain people just shouldn't be confidential informants. Kids shouldn't be CIs. People in drug treatment programs shouldn't be CIs. Also, a CI should be going after someone who is roughly at their same level. Don't send some small potatoes, nonviolent CI after somebody with a documented history of violent behavior. Mm -hmm. So Irv and Margie were working on this bill. How does that work, Brandy? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And in the meantime, a grand jury indicted Andrea and Danilo for Rachel's murder. But they did more than that. The grand jury also just, like, spanked the police force. Yeah. They said that the police had been negligent. Yes. And that the people involved in this sting needed to face disciplinary action. I agree. They wrote, letting a young, immature woman get into a car by herself with $13,000 to go off and meet two convicted felons that they knew were bringing at least one firearm with them was an unconscionable decision that cost Ms. Hoffman her life. Less than 15 minutes after she drove away from the offices of the Tallahassee Police Department, she drove out of the sight of the officers who assured her they would be right on top of her watching and listening the whole time. She cried out for help as she was shot and killed, and nobody was there to hear her. Yep. Side note. Danilo and Andrea were convicted felons, but I think it's only fair to mention that Danilo's felony was for marijuana possession. Yeah. Yeah. Andrea had a felony for selling marijuana and for aggravated assault. So Andrea had a history of violence, but, I mean, if we're not mad at Rachel about the marijuana, I don't think we should be mad at these no, two I over agree. their marijuana I use. agree. It's, it's funny because, you know, you hear that quote from the grand jury and it's like, sent her to meet two convicted felons. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. But then you look into it and – Yeah. If we're not mad at the white girl for pot, let's not be mad at the black guys for pot. Well, no, Absolutely. So now the grand jury had spoken out. They'd said that the police had messed this whole thing up. Yes. And an internal affairs investigation confirmed the grand jury's feelings. The investigation revealed that police had violated nearly two dozen policies when they handled Rachel Hoffman. There are policies in place then? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's, you know, if you want to Policy I always say. That's right, Brandy. <laughs> the rule breaker is what we call you. <laughs> Ryan Pender, who had been Rachel's main contact, was fired. Four other officers were suspended for two weeks without pay. 
and Police Chief Dennis Jones and Deputy Chief John Proctor were reprimanded. So that had to be rough for them. Just a big old slap on the wrist. Uh, uh, uh. They wagged a finger at him. Yeah. Tallahassee. Just like a little pat on the head, and they're like, okay, run along now. They kind of like, they knocked their hat a little. Oh, I thought you were flicking their nipple. (laughs) Why would that? That might turn them on. We are reprimanded. You don't know how to reprimand. I'll tell you that right now. (laughs) Tallahassee Police Chief Dennis Jones told the media, we were placing most of the blame on Rachel Hoffman. I regret that now. It made us look like we weren't taking responsibility for what happened. You weren't taking responsibility. It didn't make you look like that. You weren't. I hate it when people say that shit. You know, it gave the impression that we were doing this other. No, you no, were you doing d- this you other You were doing thing. it. People saw you doing it. They didn't like it. Now you're caught. Um, and by caught, I mean reprimanded, which apparently means you got your nipple flicked in Brandy's. <laughs> <laughs> I do regularly flick David's nipples. So. But only when he's not acting right. <laughs> Isn't that true? I reprimanded. <laughs> it was at this point when the police had their tails between their legs and their nipples were still stinging that Lance Block was like, okay, we have to make our move with this bill. Take it from here, Brandy. I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. And I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill. And then that just shorts out to yeah. put it on. <laughs> that's, all, that's all I know. State Senator Mike Fasano and Representative Peter Nair, who were both Republicans, sponsored Rachel's law. And even though Rachel's law sure seems like it's just chock full of common sense reforms, police hated it. Of course they did. The Florida. We don't want any rules about our CIs because there's a reason we do stuff the way we do it and we don't need the law. <laughs> huh? Getting involved here. In law enforcement. Because we are the law. Beautifully done, Brandy. Is that what they said? (laughs) The Florida Sheriff's Association and the Florida Department of Law Enforcement lobbied against Rachel's law. They argued that if they couldn't use young people as CIs, then they wouldn't be able to catch young people committing crimes. Also, if there was more paperwork relating to a CI, then their identity might be at risk. Um, Which, that's, okay, that's one that annoys me. Because on the one hand, it's like, all right. Yes, you have to keep their identity a secret. Of course. But I don't really buy that that's the reason you don't want paperwork I on these kids. I completely agree. <laughs> also, if people go talk to an attorney, then they might not want to become a CI, and that would really suck. So let's not do this. As a result of all this pushback, Rachel's law got watered down. They took out the rule about not using kids as CIs. What? I know. They took out the rule about potential CIs having a right to consult an attorney. Here's the thing, though. Even with it watered down, Rachel's law was still groundbreaking. On the one-year anniversary of her murder, the Florida governor signed Rachel's law. About six months later, on November 30th, 2009, Danilo Bradshaw went on trial for murder. He was facing the death penalty. His parents maintained that their son would never hurt a woman. Danilo was two years younger than Andrea, and unlike Andrea, he didn't have a record for violent behavior. 
he did have a record for burping in the middle of a podcast, though. <laughs> you guys have that in common. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> Danilo's parents said that they hadn't liked the fact that their son hung around Andrea. His stepdad, Carrie Freeman, said, We tried to keep our son separated from him. But nevertheless, they did smoke marijuana and sell some to their friends. I'm not condoning that. Carrie was concerned about Danilo. He was worried about the role that race was playing in this case. Rachel was white and Danilo and Andrea were black. When Danilo's jury was selected, his parents became even more worried. Is it all white? Only two members of the jury were black and they were older people. And they were like, this doesn't look like a jury of his peers. Mm -hmm. In his opening statement, Assistant State Attorney Frank Allman told the jury that they likely wouldn't ever know who pulled the trigger, Danilo or Andrea, and that didn't matter. He said, the identity of the shooter is not something that that is necessary to come to a verdict in this case. Equally culpable. Am I right, Brandy? Mm. Oh, oh, uh oh, uh oh. (laughs) (laughs) What's wrong? I don't know. Oh no, 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 no. Let's let's give you the floor. <laughs> let's let's hear it, now. They're equally culpable. I don't know. This is such a different scenario than the other case. Is it? Is it? <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> no, what do you think? You know what I think. You think it matters who pulled the trigger. Yes. <laughs> yes, are you fucking kidding of course, me? Of course it matters. I think it's I and I know, I know that the law doesn't always see it that way. I know a lot of people don't see it that way, but I am right. So <laughs> <laughs> The identity of the shooter definitely mattered to the police. Oh shit, I think I wrote that wrong. I meant the defense. <laughs> <laughs> so easily confused. Yes. <laughs> Defense attorney Chuck Hobbs said that Andrea Green shot and killed Rachel Hoffman, and Andrea Green threatened to kill Danilo Bradshaw if he did not cooperate. Danilo was guilty, yes, but he was guilty of stealing drug money. He was not guilty of Of murder. murder. By the way, I forgot to mention this. Didn't write this part down, as I often don't. (laughs) The New Yorker article had an interview with a friend of these guys who said that those 1500 ecstasy pills it was aspirin like the whole plan had been to rob her yeah which again i i mean that's kind of what i thought from the beginning it's like we're talking about these like low level yeah like you think they're pulling in like that they could procure that much ecstasy right Yeah, so that's what the New Yorker article mentions. There's no other mention about, like, did they bring real drugs to this thing? Mm-hmm. I think that's relevant to me. Yeah. Because otherwise it just feels like entrapment-y. Anyway, um, I'll just keep going here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the prosecution put up, like, 30 witnesses. They played the recording of Rachel setting up the deal. In it, she told Danilo that she wanted to buy beans and fire, which, of course, is code for ecstasy and a gun, which 
I knew because I'm cool. Very cool. I also eat beans. <laughs> she told him, you have a kind smile and kind eyes. Be good to me and I'll be good to you. She also told him that she wanted to buy White Lady. And Danilo didn't know what that meant, so she had to explain to him that it was cocaine. <laughs> I feel like this this young woman, like, Googled some stuff and was like, I, I know how to buy drugs and had no idea what she was doing. I think she also had no idea that what she was doing was actually dangerous. I Okay, it's funny that that's how you go with it. I mean, I... Yeah, um, I'm with you there. But, and I mean, I clearly don't know <laughs> slang terms for anything either. No, I, yeah. But I think it's also striking that, like, if Danilo is supposedly this big drug guy mm-hmm. and, like, he doesn't know what that slang term means and she puts in this order for 1,500 pills of ecstasy and yeah. he comes up with aspirin. Maybe he's not the big drug yeah. guy. And maybe he is, and I just don't know. But, yeah. like, uh. yeah. A medical examiner testified that Rachel had been shot five times. The first two shots had taken place in her car. They'd been fired from the passenger seat. Neither of them had killed her, though. But then the shooter had come to the driver's side and Rachel lifted her hand up to protect herself and the killer shot her three more times in the head. Mm. A woman testified that her gun had been stolen out of her car when she took it to the auto shop where Danilo and Andrea worked. Mm -hmm. Rachel's point person in law enforcement, Ryan Pender, testified. And what he Um, said – What? Seems like irresponsible gun ownership. You're leaving. I don't. Don't you secure your weapon when you're having somebody else work on your car? I mean, yeah, you should. Yeah. All right. But I mean, I would. I would hope that you could trust people not to steal shit. But yeah, I wouldn't leave a gun out. Just no. if nothing else, just because that's really I, dangerous. for safety purposes. Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, I wouldn't think much of anybody stealing it. I'd be like, oh, I'd hate for somebody to accidentally come across that and not have any idea how to properly handle it. Mm-hmm. I'm focusing on the wrong thing here, but well, I mean, that's why you don't leave dildos in your car when you go. That's get right, because yeah. what if they don't? What know if how they to don't properly know how to handle, handle it? it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what if you come to pick the car up and it's in their ear? They're like, God, you're getting nothing from it. <laughs> And he says, you don't know that I'm getting nothing from it. An ear is actually a very sensitive erogenous zone. And so then it turns out you learned something that That's day. Right. <laughs> so Ryan Pender said that Rachel had been a high-level drug dealer. She had told him that she was selling between 15 and 25 grand worth of marijuana a week. No. No, she wasn't. And no, she didn't. He also said that she volunteered to be a CI. No. No, she didn't. Ryan also conceded that it had been Andrea Green, not Danilo Bradshaw, who had been the target of the sting. What's wrong, Brandy? Well, this guy's lying. Yeah, so my thought is, 
you're basically kind of being held in some way responsible mm-hmm. for her murder, as you should be. You put her in the situation, as mm-hmm. as did – I mean, he's not the only one. I hate right. it when, like, something like this happens and there's one fall guy. Yeah. I don't believe for one second then one person messed up in this. No, no. But, yeah, the way to get some of that guilt off of you would be to be like, oh, well, no, she told me she was some big-time drug dealer. Yeah. 25 grand a week or whatever. Yeah, no, there's no way. No. She had five ounces of pot and Mm -hmm. four ecstasy pills. Mm -hmm. Maybe she just sold a bunch of stuff. Obviously. Just flush with cash. It would be virtually impossible to tell who actually pulled the trigger. So the prosecution did their best to establish Danilo's involvement in the crime from start to finish. A string of witnesses testified about seeing Danilo and Andrea shortly after Rachel's murder. A guy named David Andrews testified that he was driving down the road and came along a BMW that had gotten stuck in some sand. He saw a Volvo idling nearby. So it's believed that Danilo and Andrea had been fleeing the scene in the two vehicles and they got to a curve in the road and Andrea went around it a little too fast and got stuck. Mm -hmm. So this good Samaritan, David Andrews, stopped to help the stranger in the BMW who he later identified as Andrea Green. And he said that Andrea was acting very nervous. He wanted out of that sand so badly. And at one point, without asking permission, Andrea just hopped in the back of David's truck and started trying to take some cords that David was using to secure a cooler. Yeah. What? Yeah. And so David's like, what the hell? Yeah. And then Andrea was like, well, hey, um, could you help cut the seatbelts out of my car and use those to pull me out of the sand? And David was like, this is weird as hell. I'm not doing that. And he left. Wow. Can you imagine coming upon that? No. It's like, no, this is too fucking weird, yeah, man. No. no, thanks. Bye. Best of luck with your tires, man. Leave my cooler alone. Yeah. Courtney Campbell is Andrea Green's cousin, and he testified that Andrea approached him later that evening, and he had a ton of cash on him, and he handed Courtney the keys to the silver Volvo and asked him to get rid of it. And Courtney was like, No. <laughs> And he threw the keys in the woods. Mm. He said, I just sensed that something was wrong. So I didn't go near that car. I didn't touch it. I never seen them with that much money. So it scared me. Mm -hmm. Courtney admitted that Andrea did most of the talking, but that meanwhile, Danilo was singing. I woke up this morning feeling like money. I don't know that song. I'm not familiar with it. It's not a meatloaf hit. That's for sure. Did not appear on Bad Out of Hell. Also not a Tim McGraw one. <laughs> so, you know, Courtney's like, nope, not not getting involved with yeah. this. This is too weird. But Danilo and Andrea needed to ditch Rachel's Volvo. They needed to get out of town. Other people's testimony illustrated that Danilo and Andrea found two guys and offered them $300 to drive them to Orlando. The guys were Dominique Bryant and Darius Beasley, and they were just excited to make an easy 300 bucks. So they said yes. I think these guys were kind of young. Mm-hmm. But before they could get to Orlando, Danilo and Andrea 
wanted to stop at a Jiffy convenience store. What is that? I don't know. It's a convenience okay, store. Great. But I there? I hear Jiffy and I think peanut butter. Mm. That's not a peanut butter. Oh wait, you know what? Is G- it I I remember um <laughs> Hang on, let me google something really quick. Jiffy convenience store. Jiff and Skippy are peanut butter. Jiffy not a peanut butter. Don't you ever correct me. <laughs> Oh, I thought for some reason I had a memory of a Florida convenience station slash gas. I almost said <laughs> gas store. store slash gas station with like Peter Pan on the front, and I thought it was Jiffy. Am I just combining? <laughs> You're just combining all the peanut butters now. Okay, in your in your version, they're all the stuck Jiffy together. Peanut butter has Peter Pan on the front of it. Is Peter Pan a different kind of peanut butter? Yes. My God, there's too many kinds of peanut butters. <laughs> You're right. Now that I'm picturing the Jif can, there's no Peter Pan on it. <laughs> there sure isn't. It's huh. on the Peter Pan peanut butter. <laughs> That's where they keep him. Huh. All right. Oh. <laughs> Anyway, they went to a Jiffy <laughs> convenience store. Did they get pop? Actually, corn? they. Oh, fine. Did they get sodas? They got orange soda, which made me crave orange soda. Yeah, I mean it's so good. They also Kel got, loves orange soda. I knew. You know what? I didn't include that they got orange soda in my notes here because I was like, if I say orange soda. <laughs> She's going to say Kel loves orange soda. I do, I do, I do, I do. Okay. (laughs) Do you want to know what else they bought? Yeah. Some snacks. I'm sorry. No further information on that. Uh, But also bleach. Mm. Surveillance footage showed Danilo and Andrea in the store. It showed Danilo bringing a bottle of bleach to the counter while Andrea stood nearby sorting through a stack of cash. At one point, Andrea laid a bunch of the cash on the counter. And, of course, the cashier was like, holy shit. It made the transaction very memorable. Yeah, it sure did. The cashier told the jury that she remembered the transaction because of the huge stack of cash and also because of the bleach. Not the orange soda. No, because you know what? They sell a lot of orange soda at convenience stores. They don't necessarily sell a ton of bleach. Yeah, I would imagine that's probably true. You go to the Peter Pan gas station for that not the, the jiffy flying one. J? is that what you're thinking of i don't know what I'm thinking <laughs> also they paid for all this shit with the marked bills yeah so, i mean if i don't know if you put all this together here. i did i'm i'm already right. there just like lone star i'm already there <laughs> take a look around <laughs> After they went to the convenience store, the guys who gave them a ride said that Danilo and Andrea wanted to be dropped off at the Volvo. They moved the Volvo a few miles out of the way under a big oak tree and cleaned it with bleach. They spent about 15 minutes cleaning the Volvo, and then they hopped in the other car and took off to Orlando. As soon as they got there, the two guys who'd agreed to give them a ride were pretty freaked out, so they drove straight back home. One of them told the jury... I already had the feeling something crazy had happened. 
I just wanted to get down there and get back safe. I was afraid of getting hurt by either of them. Yeah. 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 The prosecution showed a T-shirt of Danilo's, which had bleach stains on it. Once they got to Orlando, Danilo and Andrea met up with their girlfriends. They went to Macy's and spent $350 on clothes and shoes. Do you have blood on it? Uh, It didn't mention blood, so I'm going to go with no. To me, that's, I mean, that seems like maybe evidence that he's not the one that pulled the trigger. Oh, that's a good point. Yes. They didn't, well, I didn't read anything right. about blood yeah. on um, Andrea's clothes, but okay. that could be because of what comes later. Okay. Spoiler. Mm, teaser. Yep. Kristen just lifted her skirt, like, just, like, high enough that you could see. You know what? Just, as, like, a little. You know what I almost thought of doing as revenge to you for saying that? What? Just lifting my entire dress <laughs> There could be no greater punishment. That would be. I'd be so uncomfortable. <laughs> and if you think I'm wearing a sexy bra, you're wrong, and you would find out very quickly. <laughs> I know that's what you're hoping for. Yeah. The entire time we've been sitting here, I've been picturing mm-hmm. your sexy bra, Kristen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't blame you. <laughs> surprising though because my storytelling is so good I'm surprised that like that didn't distract you from how I'm hot I am I'm an excellent multitasker are you are you I am you seem a little scattered ma'am nope I can picture your bra and listen to your story at the same time <laughs> anyhow <laughs> any hooters uh, they went to Macy's and spent $350 on clothes and shoes that doesn't seem like that much money it really doesn't Um, They also spent $400 at a jewelry store. At one point, I mean, they used Rachel's credit card. Why would they use her credit card? They must have just known they were going to get caught, I guess. So it was all pretty damning. And the prosecution's case went pretty fast. It had been expected to take much longer, but the defense surprised everyone by not objecting much at all. They didn't take along with cross-examinations either. But when they did, it was to drive home the point that Andrea had been the aggressor. He had been the one who was responsible for Rachel's murder. The defense had promised the jury a short and sweet case, and boy, did they deliver. For their case, they called two witnesses to the stand. They were both jailhouse informants. One said that Andrea Green had told him that he'd shot Rachel Hoffman. The other said that Andrea told him that he'd shot Rachel Hoffman and he'd told Danilo that if he didn't drive Rachel's car with her body inside, he'd kill him. That's their whole case? Yep. Mm. What do you think? I think it's possible that Andrea did say that, but that doesn't mean it's true. Um... I so he, okay. <laughs> Here's what I think. I think based on their histories, I think that Andrea probably was the one who killed Rachel. Mm-hmm. I don't know that he'd be dumb enough to tell two guys in jail. 
And I definitely don't think he said, oh, and I threatened Yeah, I don't think Danilo. that part either. I do think it's possible that he'd be like to try and prove how tough he is. Like brag about it. You think? Yeah, don't fuck with me. I shot a lady once in a Volvo. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm thinking? And I realize this is wrong. I'm thinking, you know, you're already locked up on a murder charge. So maybe that means you're tough enough. But you're right. You've always got to prove yourself in life. Don't make that face at me. (laughs) Both of these witnesses were on the stand for less than five minutes. The prosecution didn't even bother cross-examining them, which is, I mean, that's a... That's a pretty big insult. (laughs) (laughs) But they did call a rebuttal witness. They called a police officer who said that in all of Andrea's interviews with the police, he said that he didn't kill Rachel and he never threatened Danilo's life. Of course he said that. What do you mean? Of course he told the police I didn't shoot her. Yeah. That's what I mean, Kristen. <laughs> I mean, well, I'm just saying. The prosecution saying, who are you going to believe? Yeah. Who, so who are you going to believe? Who are you going to call? You know what I believe. Let's keep going. Okay. So the defense's case was over in about 15 minutes. And then came closing arguments. Prosecutor Georgia Kappelman showed the jury two pictures, one of Rachel Hoffman smiling and happy and the other of her dead body. Yikes. She said they left her rotting on the side of the road like a piece of garbage. She said that Danilo was as responsible for Rachel's death as if we had a video of him pulling the trigger. In the defense's closing argument, they said that the only thing Danilo was guilty of was stealing drug money. That's all he'd done. But the jury disagreed. They found him guilty of first-degree murder and robbery with a firearm. The jury recommended that he die by lethal injection. Wow. Yeah. I'm shocked by that. That is really not that strong of a case for the fucking death penalty I mean if you subscribe to the equally culpable camp and you're okay with the death penalty yikes Mm -hmm. but Danilo's sentence would ultimately be in the hands of Judge Mark Walker and the judge sentenced him to life in prison Hmm. thank god thank god yeah yeah. okay You know what? I'm going to keep going. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Keep on trucking. A few months later, it was time for Andrea Green's trial, and that one took a surprising turn. At a hearing where he was just expected to get a new attorney, Andrea Green got a deal. He pled no contest to second-degree murder, and in exchange, he got life in prison. This was controversial. He was the one who most people believed had been the ringleader likely the one who'd pulled the trigger. Rachel's dad wasn't happy about the deal, but Rachel's mom said that she was relieved to not have to sit through another Absolutely. trial. In the midst of all this, Irv and Margie launched... Well, okay, I'm going to stop that. What do you think? I think the deal's fine. The deal doesn't bother me. 
Does the deal bother you? Um, this whole thing kind of bothers me. Okay. Say more. <laughs> Keep saying words. I will. <laughs> I don't like any of this. Because the whole deal was set up by the police? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. this – Rachel had no business being part of this. Mm-hmm. And it makes me wonder if Andrea and Danilo had no business being part of mm-hmm. this either. You know, is it possible that she came to them wanting to buy a crazy amount of stuff? They were like, this is going to be an insane amount of money for us. Yeah. Let's get a whole bunch of aspirin. Let's get Mm -hmm. whatever. Let's steal a gun from this lady's car when she's in the shop. I don't know. And. The whole thing at that trial about – which, again, we've talked about this a million times. Like, you know, if they were part of the crime, it's who cares who pulled the trigger? Everyone's equally culpable. Mm -hmm. To me, I always care who pulled the trigger. Absolutely. I care who pulled the trigger. Oh, do you? Do do you care now? Do you care now? I do. I think this is a vastly different situation than the case I covered. I mean, it is different. But, like – I, I feel like it all – it kind of comes down to the same thing of like when it comes to the actual murder of a person, mm-hmm. are you the one doing the murdering mm-hmm. or are you the one kind of in the passenger seat and obviously doing a terrible thing? Yeah. Helping cover yeah, yeah, up, yeah. helping, yeah. you know. But to me, the those shouldn't be treated the same. Um. So yeah, it, it bothers me that we don't know for sure who pulled the trigger. Yeah, but you know, it certainly seems like Danilo wasn't the one who pulled the trigger. I would agree. I think that the fact that and but that he's the one Andre who got life the, in prison without parole. Yeah. yeah. I uh, my guess in this situation is that Andrea thought there was a real chance he would get the death penalty. Oh, he was uh yes. And so that's why I I mean I think it looks I all signs point to that he was the ringleader, the shooter, the Yeah, no. Andrea did exactly what he should have done here. Yes. I mean, he saw mm-hmm. his brother-in-law the jury recommended the, the death, death penalty. penalty. So, yeah. so yeah, he. I I'm surprised he was offered a plea deal, mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean, he was wise to take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this whole case just upsets me. Yeah. Okay, let's get back to it because okay. there's more. <laughs> So in the midst of all this, Irvin Margie launched a wrongful death lawsuit against the city of Tallahassee. Yes. It yeah. was a yes. <laughs> yes, let's hear about that. All right. Well, yes. We <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> it was a long process. It took years. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally in January of 2012, the jury was selected. The trial was expected to last about a month. But the day before it was supposed to start, they fucking settled for an undisclosed amount of nope. money. Oh, okay. Great. Not quite. Continue. Uh, the city commission. Otherwise, shut up. <laughs> 
the episode just <laughs> ends. ends. <laughs> the city commission called an emergency meeting, and in that meeting, they voted three to two to settle with Irv and Margie. They'd pay $2.6 million and issue a formal apology. Afterward, Commissioner Gil Ziffer, who voted in favor of the settlement, said, quote, I think it's time for the Hoffman family, the city of Tallahassee, and its citizens to move forward and move on. What? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I included that quote because I thought it was awful and stupid. It is terrible. Commissioner Mark Mustang. You run that by anybody before he said it? Nope. (laughs) Not a chance, right? No. (laughs) I guarantee you. This happened right after that emergency meeting. Yeah. The reporter walked up, talked to him, and this guy was just a fucking idiot. Yeah. Commissioner Mark Mustaine complained to the local newspaper that the settlement amount was too high. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? I mean, what? Oh, my gosh. A woman was murdered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... She wouldn't have been murdered without the city's involvement in that whole thing. Yeah. Rachel's dad, Irv, acknowledged that in some ways it was a relief to not go to trial. He knew that at the trial, Rachel's drug use would be the main talking point. (sighs) Yeah, it would have been. But he'd never been afraid to go to trial. Mm -hmm. He said, the city had more to lose than we did. We already lost everything. Oh. Mm. Mm. In the years since then, Irv and Margie continue to struggle with Rachel's senseless death, and they continue to advocate for CI reform. They've worked to strengthen Rachel's laws and push for similar laws across the nation. Margie created a nonprofit called Rachel Morningstar Foundation, and their mission is to teach young people about the dangers of becoming a CI. Margie and Irv still really struggle with Rachel's death. She was their only child. Margie says that sometimes it's hard to just get out of bed. Yeah. And Irv visits his daughter's grave, and he can't help but think about all the injustice in this case. Officer Ryan Pender, who'd been Rachel's point person in this whole thing and had been the one who'd lost his job, mm-hmm. uh, hired an attorney and he got it back. Oh, for fuck's sake. So every year on the anniversary of Rachel's death, Irv calls Ryan's work phone and reminds him that it is the anniversary of his daughter's murder. And he asks Ryan to call him back. And Ryan never does. Mm-hmm. Good for him. For the dad. Not yeah. For no, Ryan. we knew. We knew. <laughs> you monster. <laughs> and that's the story of the murder of Rachel Hoffman. Holy shit. Yeah. So I remember, gosh, I feel like I first heard this story on My Favorite Murder like a million years ago. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, so I couldn't believe it. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just such an outrageous story. Yeah. But it's amazing all the things like I either didn't remember. I just kind of remembered like college student, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that the deeper I went on this, the more upset I got. Yeah. Initially, I think I just had this impression of like, well, the reason she is the murdered CI whose murder like 
changed things in some ways mm-hmm. because, you know, she's middle class, she's white, right. blah, blah, blah. And I think when I got to the trial stuff, I also got that icky feeling of like, oh, is it also because the men responsible for her murder were black? I think that elevated right. this too. Absolutely. Yeah. Having said all that, my God, we need rules about CIs. Absolutely. Holy shit. That it should even be a conversation that children shouldn't be CIs. That blows my mind. Yeah. I mean, it has to be determined by the maturity of the child. Am I right? No. Children's <laughs> bl- uh, you know, in general, I don't like blanket statements. But like, how about just no children or CIs? What if a child really wants to be I a don't CI? Care. Like every child star ever. The parents <laughs> yeah. are never the ones pushing them. It's the child who insists. Right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Europe. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Brady, you know what I think we should do now? Take some questions from our Discord? Absolutely. To get in our Discord, all you have to do is join our Patreon at the $5 level or higher. And that will get you in there to chitty chat the day away. And then on recording days... um, 
we sorry, I just got distracted by a question. We will take some <laughs> questions and answer them. I see fat legs. Ask Kristen, have you read The Silent Patient by Alex Michaelides? Oh, yeah. gosh. You know what? I'm one of those people who I read a book and then I immediately forget it. Hang on. Let me Google. That sounds really. I have, I have this on hold. Like I'm in line to get this from the library. But I've not yet read it. I want oh. to read it. All the people are saying it's wonderful. I'm just stalling while Kristen looks stuff up. Hmm. I don't think I have read this book. <laughs> okay, well, may I suggest that you put it on your list and we can read it together and talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Very good. Uh, this is not a question from the Discord, just a question for me. Have you read The Guest List? I just, uh, by Lucy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hang on. Let me, let me look that up. The guest list. I really wish I could Lucy. remember. You know what? It's my Kindle that is creating all these problems for me because then I don't see the yes. titles. Uh, okay. Yeah. What's her, who's it by? Lucy Foley. Oh, okay. I didn't make that up. I just finished it and I enjoyed it very much. Yeah, I don't think I've read this one. Okay, put that on your list too. <laughs> well, I've just got tons to do. Honk, if you're gay, wants to know how much do I have to pay to see Kristen in her short shorts? <laughs> no one wants to see that. Short shorts? You're wearing your finest shorts to my bachelorette oh, party. right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Nicest shorts you ever did see. Ooh, wears t-shirts sometimes, says Brandy. I've been re-listening to the entire pod, and at the end of one episode, you made a bold claim that you love all cereal. I need some clarity. Oh, Does yeah, this you include do grape look. nuts? Mm-mm. Let's discuss. I do love grape nuts. <laughs> I love all cereal. What cereal do I not love? Um, I, you know what? I would challenge you. That is the thing I am not picky about. I Bullshit. I will eat. You know what we're going to do? We're going to do a cereal taste test? No. We're going to just go to the grocery store. Okay. We're going to walk that aisle. And I will show you that I will eat 95% of the cereal on that aisle. All right. I love cereal. Okay. I believe you. It's one of my favorite foods. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what to say to that, (laughs) ma'am. Well, this is just a ridiculously mean question. What? Cornhole sack tosser asks, Brandy, would you rather eat a burger with a giant slice of onion and on an onion bun that you can't pick off or spend eight hours in your house naked? (laughs) Oh, what would you do? I'd have to be naked in my house. I can't eat an onion. Do you think you would enjoy it over time? No. (laughs) But I would be... Counting down the moments. Hold on. Until I could cover up. Hold on. Okay. Okay. It's eight hours. You're alone in your home. Mm -hmm. Every door is locked. Every window is blocked. Mm -hmm. No one's peeping. Okay. It's just you. Sounds chilly. (laughs) No, you set the temperature to whatever you want. Okay. You can throw a blanket over. Okay. All right. Can I wrap it around me? No, yeah, you can't fashion a robe for yourself. Can I make a toga out no, of my- <laughs> no. You don't think that on like hour four you might relax just a little bit? I doubt it very oh, much. Right. All right, <laughs> but I am choosing that option. <laughs> <laughs> Old timey auto cat wants to know: Do you have outfits chosen for Obsessed Fest? Okay, everyone. <gasps> this is not a drill. Well, when this is released. 
we'll be day, but days away from Obsessed, Obsessed Fest. Fest. We are a huge deal now, oh okay? Don't gosh. look us in the eye. We were invited to Obsessed Fest, yeah. put on by True Crime Obsessed. We are nervous as hell. Yes. Um, we feel they may have invited us in error. <laughs> They got us confused with some other hugely popular podcast. And now they're too polite to rescind it. to rescind the invitation. You know, hey, you remember that one, was it like Miss America, where Steve Harvey accidentally said, said, I really felt like they should just give that, you know. Yeah, you give Columbia the, yeah, crown. So that's what I feel they're doing with Do you have your outfits picked yet? No, I, uh, I'm very I bought, stressed. I know. I bought a couple of new pairs of jeans, and then um, I figured I'd just throw a black shirt on with them. Okay. Well, I, wear the I have no the pants. Okay. So, were you going to wear a dress? You're just going to go pantsless? No, I need to go buy pants. Oh, okay. This, these are the problems you have when you work from home. Yeah. I I haven't had any need for pants. Right. But. I feel like we'll be sitting and talking. Be sitting on a stage. And, and I don't want yeah. people being distracted. Yeah. Because I'm not going to wear underwear. <laughs> That's what I refuse to do. <laughs> if you think I'm going to wear underwear. <laughs> so anyway, what I'm saying is I will be hitting up the Nordstrom Rack. Excellent. I'm very happy for you. If you think I'm going to pay full price for my outfits. Absolutely yeah. not. <laughs> Ooh. Two raccoons in a trench coat wants to know, Brandy, we know you love Bluey, but is there an age-appropriate show you won't let your kids watch just because it annoys you? <laughs> um, no. Okay, so London is very into YouTube kids, and the thing that I don't like on there is that, like, okay, some of that shit used to be creepy. Have they cracked well, down on that? Well, that's my concern, is uh-huh. that anybody can make a video and post it to YouTube kids. So anytime I catch her, catch her, like I, anytime I notice that she's watching something that's not like a produced yeah, yeah, show, yeah. I'm like, maybe let's block that channel because yeah. I'm just really nervous about what she might be exposed to in like mm-hmm. some random family's YouTube uploads. Makes me really nervous. <laughs> So I'll just be like, hey, hey, can I see your tabby real quick? And she'll give it to me. And I'm like, block that one. And then it either goes to Blippi, which is like her favorite thing in the world mm-hmm. right now, or Coco Melon, which I hate, but she loves. What's Coco Melon? Oh, it's just all these fucking repetitive songs over and over and over again. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but she loves it. So she also just discovered Baby Shark. So that's taken over my life. You seem really happy about it. I like that she likes to see. She will sing Baby Shark, which is the cutest thing ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Could you listen to it again and again and again and again? If it was her singing it, yes. Okay. I don't really want to listen to like – and there's like a million versions of it on YouTube. And there's like <laughs> – there's one that sounds like they're on drugs because it's like the remix. It's super sped up. But she really likes that one because she can really get it to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she kind of bops to yeah, it. she does. Oh, my gosh. For sure you don't know this. What? The original Mandel Florence says, hey, Kristen, did you know Pitt in Swedish is dick? Just thought, you know, just, you know, had to share. Did you know that? Mm. In Sweden, your name is Kristen Dix? I did not know that. Um, 
I wonder what's the Norwegian word for dick because one time I tried to order something that started with a P, I think, at uh-huh. a restaurant in Norway and the men laughed at me. Because you ordered dicks? A, I, I ordered a platter of dicks. Oh. And I was the only woman. Great. Then, you know. How did it turn out? <laughs> so these dicks are disgusting. <laughs> Y'all got any ranch? Ooh, Sharna asks, Brandy, how long do you think it will take for you to stop calling David your fiancé and your husband? Instead, it's been five weeks for me and I just called my husband my fiancé in my head. I almost accidentally call David my husband all the time. Yeah, I mean, you're really living that life. Very much so. So I think it'll be a very easy transition. Are you nervous about losing your virginity? (laughs) (laughs) I'm so nervous for the wedding night. (laughs) I just don't know if I'm prepared. I'll give you all kinds of tips. Don't worry, Brandy. You won't be uncomfortable at all. You know what we should do now? Some Supreme Court inductions? I should say so. Fucking page reloaded. And now I'm not anywhere where I need to be. Anyway, to get inducted on this podcast. (laughs) In... I was going to say into the Supreme Court, but that sounded weird. Oh, it sounded stupid that way. Good thing you (laughs) saved it. (laughs) All you have to do is join our Patreon at the $7 level or higher, and then we will induct you at the end of an episode. Today, we're continuing to read your names and favorite cookies. Did I mention last week that I have changed the topic? Yeah, I think you said we would be changing it. We did change it. It has been changed. So, get off my platter of dicks. (laughs) Sammy J. Red Velvet. Natalie Abeda. Hospital Cookies. She says, not what you think. The hospital I work at has an awesome baker. Okay, the hospital in North Carolina had amazing fried chicken. What? How often were you eating the fried chicken at the hospital? I mean, they had it (laughs) a certain day of the week, and, like, everybody went to the... Don't worry, Belle. Let's keep going. (laughs) Tara Hodgson. Nutella stuffed brown butter and sea salt chocolate chip. Oh, my. Mm. Nicole Kelly. Chocolate chip. Megan Ratbrain Walker. <laughs> H-E-B seasonal sugar cookie. Heb. That's a grocery store. Oh. Never been there. <laughs> they don't say H-E-B. They say Heb. I think they probably say H-E-B, but I call it Heb. All right. <laughs> Julie Ewalls. Frozen Thin Mints. Eli Webster. Any raw cookie dough. Oh. <laughs> Lisa G. Chocolate dipped shortbread. Taylor Phillips. White chocolate macadamia cookies without the nuts because nuts ruin desserts. Oh. oh. oh okay. Please okay. don't get political. No, you're saying get your nuts out of my dessert, huh? Fine. <laughs> Erica, <laughs> Erica Santiago. <laughs> Raspberry <laughs> twist that my mother-in-law will only make once a year for Christmas. Jen Graves. NKC Little Store Homemade Chocolate Chip Cookies. All right. Maddie Garcia. Ginger Snap! <laughs> it is in all caps. So yeah, didn't I have had no choice. choice. Marcy May. If kitchen sink cookies hooked up with cowboy cookies, their love child would be my favorite. I don't know what either of those cookies are, so sure. Sounds like a whole mess Sounds of like stuff. Sounds like a lot of stuff. <laughs> Krista Rummage. The Triple Threat from Oliver's Confections. Shannon Chandler. Molasses Spice Cookie. Monica Dinehart. Frozen Thin Mints. Tiffany Williams. Anything My Mom Bakes. Allie Alvarez. Soft 
I don't think you need to say it softly. Oh, Mime Mime likes a soft cookie. Welcome to the Supreme Court. Thank you, everyone, for all of your support. We appreciate it so much. If you're looking for other ways to support us, please find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Patreon. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And then head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and review. And then be sure to join us next week. When we'll be experts on two whole new podcasts. Oh, topics. (laughs) Podcast adjourned. I can't go fast like you. (laughs) I got one speed. And now for a note about our process. I read a bunch of stuff, then regurgitate it all back up in my very limited vocabulary. And I copy and paste from the best sources on the web and sometimes Wikipedia. So we owe a huge thank you to the real experts. I got my info from the article The Throwaways by Sarah Stillman for The New Yorker, as well as reporting for the Tallahassee Democrat and the Tampa Tribune. I got my info from an episode of Killer Motive, The Washington Post, People.com, Oxygen.com, The Associated Press, and The Court Record. For a full list of our sources, visit lgtcpodcast.com. Any errors are, of course, ours. Please don't take our word for it. Go read their stuff. Woo-hoo. Do it. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.
With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. The biggest international festival for the business of podcasting is back. The Podcast Show London will bring together thousands of podcast creators under one roof on the 22nd and 23rd of May. Also featuring major industry players, global brands, and some of the most iconic voices in podcasting. Plus, creator meetups, networking, and an evening festival of unmissable live shows. Passes from £89. Book yours now at thepodcastshowlondon.com. <laughs> <laughs> 